Thank you for coming to join me today. I'm going to be describing what twisted parenting is. I divided it into several parts. I would appreciate if you can listen to this in order, in order to really understand an overview of twisted parenting. I divided it into the following parts. Number one, Das Teira. Number two, my target patient. Number three, TP goals. Number four, TP training system. Number five, the TP method. Number six, TP results, Baruch Hashem. Number seven, the siblings, the family, the effect on family. And number eight, communal responsibility. And number nine, closing thoughts, also including some of understanding why there's such a controversy and why TP is so misunderstood. Part one, Das Taira. I only work with parents who have a letter from their personal Das Taira that states the following. Number one, that the situation is Pikuach Nefesh. This means that the Rav understands, is intimately familiar with exactly what's going on in the family, with the situation with this child, and deems that Alpitaira, the Psak Halacha is, that the child is in a matzav of Pikuach Nefesh Sakana. Number two, the Rav knows my Mahalach and believes that this is the best choice for the family. Number three, the Rav agrees to become a partner in the process and accepts the responsibility to be the mashkiach, to make sure that the family does not do anything against the Torah or hashkafas ha whatsoever. So not only do I give advice that according to my Das Torah is the right advice, and I know my parameters, but as an additional way to protect the Torah, the family's Rav is signing that he's the one who's going to be in touch with the family and take a chreis to make sure that the family doesn't do anything against his concept, his psak of the Torah Halacha and Hashkafa Satayra. And he signs that in case he cannot fulfill this role, he will immediately let me know so I can stop um, stop dealing with the family because I know that they're not under Hashkafa, his Hashkafa. Uh, in addition to that, each parent under my care signs a star that they will not implement any advice without first receiving a clear psak from their Rav. There's really very little more that anybody can do to protect the Torah more than this. Number one, I know my parameters from my Das Torah. Number two, each family, because I have people who are modern Orthodox, I have uh, Syrian families that are, are, are traditional, and then I have Hasidim and Satmer and Lubavitch, and sometimes the Ashkafa of each type of uh, Jew that comes to me is totally different. So besides for me knowing that I'm comfortable with my Das Torah over the Halacha and Ashkafa of each situation, in addition to that, each family has their own Mashkiach, and people come to me with Mamash the highest levels. They're not coming with young or little low-level um, Rabbanim. It's their highest level of Das Torah of the family, and that really protects the Torah. Rav Mart Chetursky, the Harnas Taipler Rebbe, said, we are not trying to be matir isurim. We are trying to be matir asurim. We're not trying to make things that are asur to become mutter. We're trying to be matir asurim to free those that are imprisoned. It's very important to note that no rav that I ever worked with, and there's over 60 of them, no rav that I ever worked with on a specific family ever said that I went against their psak or criticized me. I'm in constant contact with many, many rabbanim, I've had hundreds of families have come to me, and I never, ever had a Rav criticize me that was involved with me. Other Rabbanim that are not involved with the family, 
So they see things and they don't understand things, okay, so they can criticize. But none of the big Rabbanim from Al-Kraizen ever called me up in a case and said, Avi, no, your advice is wrong, or you did something, or you didn't listen to me, or anything like that. Now this is usually done when I have over here 50 to 100 parents, and I ask the parents to give testimony. Raise your hand if you were sent to me by your Das Raise your hand if you're Rav Paskin that your situation is Pikuach Nefesh. Raise your hand if you ask your Paisik before implementing my advice. And who was your Das Torah? And it's fascinating when we have guests that come actually to see what we're doing, how they're so impressed. We have such a Olam HaTayra, we have so many Chash of a people, and everybody is mamish in the same system where they'll raise their hand and they'll they'll testify that they were sent by their Das Torah. They'll raise their hand and they'll testify that they're of Paskin, that their Matzav is Pikuach Nefesh. I don't deal with going off the Derech or almost Pikuach Nefesh. I only deal with Pikuach Nefesh, with a Psak from their Moir Derech. And that they are sticking to the plan of always asking their Paisic advice uh, for a Psak before going ahead with anything. Number two. My target audience. I don't work with parents of kids going off the derech. I only work with parents of kids who already went off the derech and are in a clear present danger. I call this stage four, pikuach nefesh. I uh, turn away about 90% of the calls that I get. And if they're calling me, you could imagine it's pretty bad. But I don't deal with anything besides stage four. If someone is in a school, I don't take the case. If somebody is still with the lavush, I don't take the case. I make very few exceptions under duress. If I'm asked a special favor by a special uh, das Torah or Rebbe, a manik who asked me for a personal favor to get involved earlier and they take a chrayis, so sometimes I have no choice. But I'm not looking for cases of kids who are going off the derech. This treatment that I do, I only have 300 families that were in stage four. Here's a profile of typical cases that I deal with. My son took a knife to my throat. He's throwing everything in sight, even stuff that will definitely break. He screams and fights constantly and punches holes in the walls. Blasts loud heavy metal music in the middle of the night and wakes up the entire family and little kids who need to go to school the next day. TV blaring on Shabbos and it ruins the Jewish feel of the home for the other family members. Siblings don't want to come home and they stay in yeshiva and they lose parental contact and they're all suffering terribly. Careless with kosher kitchen causes loss of equipment and food all the time and lots of shyless. Girl constantly going out every evening for the entire night and meeting up with different boys. Took drugs that are not marketed for human consumption and slept for the better part of four days straight. Got arrested for selling drugs. Got arrested for trying to buy a silencer for his gun which I don't, know, I don't know if you know what a silencer is, but it means when you're going to shoot it, that the silencer on top of it makes it that it doesn't make noise. This is not a good sign. This is very, very bad. By the way, that kid today is totally Shemitah Mitzvah, learning in Eretz Yisrael. Um, stole our cars and had accidents with each one of them. Totaled eight cars. Shut off the power in our house and locked himself in the basement where the power is. Poured milk into our car's gas tank. Cost us $8,500 to fix. Drove high on drugs and almost killed a man changing his car tires. The man was saved by his own good instincts. He jumped over the barrier. Both cars were totaled and insurance did not cover. Took an entire bottle of pills with vodka and ran into the forest and disappeared. We had to call canine units to find him and drag him to the hospital. During the summer, he drove home from the country where we stay 
Um, and on a Friday night, he invited over 30 people to party till Sunday night. When we came home after the weekend, our house was completely trashed. Couches were burned and thrown out the windows. The carpets were destroyed. All of the clothing from the cabinets were thrown out. The whole house was totally, totally totaled. Cooked tray food in my Pesach kitchen. Drove off our driveway in Rosh Hashanah with blaring loud music, waving his middle finger at, at us while we watched him with just, our eyes were, in, we were in shock. Our eyes were just popped open. We didn't know what to do. The situation was unbearable, screaming, threatening. He was breaking everything we owned. Ate trafe all over the house, used pots, pans, dishes, and ovens. We had to throw him out of the house. He was ruining the entire house. We were all scared of what he would do if he got mad. They say a parent is only as happy as their most unhappy child. We were so miserable and torn. On one hand, we couldn't handle him, and we just wanted him to disappear. On the other hand, he was our child, and we loved him and wanted to see an end to this terrible situation. We went all over to ask what to do. All ideas did not work. Therapists were useless. I can't even describe the amount of pain we were in. The pain is beyond words and beyond description, like walking around with a gushing hole through your heart that rips at your core every second of the day and night. These are all testimonies of parents that wrote to me before coming to me. I couldn't stop crying. I was anxious, afraid, feeling guilty. No sleep for anyone in the family. Shalom Bias was being destroyed. I get this a lot because usually one parent wants to be a little bit calmer and the other one wants to be tougher and the Shalom Bias just gets destroyed. We felt so embarrassed of all the neighbors. She bullied younger siblings and taught siblings bad songs and curse words. Whatever we said to her backfired. We were walking on a tightrope. We got more and more sad reports about her and had no idea what to do about it. We were constantly on the watch tense, trying to protect her. There was a lot of blaming and fighting between myself and my spouse. She was terribly suicidal. She was cutting herself. We walked in and found her lying on the floor, and she was drunk and passed out from, from being drunk. She came home late at night, late hours every night, ran off at night and met a random guy that she met on the internet. The level of pain was beyond imagination. I would walk around on the street and find myself crying. We were completely lost, not knowing who to talk to and how to go about helping our child. We considered sitting Shiva Rahman and cutting our losses, months of not communicating at all with our child. After being locked in his room for weeks on end, we needed to go to the door every few days to check if we smell a dead body. Hashem Yirachim invited his 22-year-old non-Jewish girlfriend to live in his room without even, even mentioning it to us. This is the third non-Jewish girlfriend got girlfriend pregnant and then asked for money for an abortion. Again, this is before coming to me. When I didn't spend $2,500 on a dirt bike when he asked me, he broke two walls and his door with an axe. We replaced the door and he broke it again when he got angry at his girlfriend. He steals money regularly from my wife's purse. She now tries to limit her cash to $20 in order to limit the potential loss. He stole several items of jewelry. He invited two different weed dealers, friends of his, into the house. A fight broke out over money and one dealer shot the other one in my living room. And he had to testify before the grand jury. My son stole all the silver from our house and from his sister's wedding. And he sold it for pennies. Oh, he ran away after making suicidal statements. Got thrown out of school and thrown out of camp within a few days. He left the freezer open on multiple occasions, costing us hundreds of dollars. He used to go running through the streets drunk or tripping on acid. He brought home a girl after girl, sometimes two at a time. Got thrown out of a girl's house while high on ecstasy, special K, and acid. Engaged in all kinds of inappropriate relationships online. Stays out all night. Overdosed on Klonopin. 
that only through Chazdei Hashem did he make it out alive. We had another close call when he mixed Xanax with alcohol. Another time he OD'd mixed pills with alcohol. He was brought home by a Mexican gang member that he was friends with, who later who was later sent to jail after he was convicted of several felonies. Two years ago in Florida, he ran off with a group of MS-13 gang members and spent the night taking hard drugs with them. A weed dealer for a long time and even rose to the rank of wholesaler, meeting random guys in malls and 7-Elevens for encounters. It makes me so sick and scared for her safety every day. Severely addicted to heavy drugs, threw a party over Shabbos and trashed the house, took the car driving with no permit or license. We were headed for a divorce. My kids were angry and I was angry. Terrible Hefkervelt felt by all. Hit his father, beat up his mother, causing them to get stitches, punched his pregnant mother and caused fear between all at home. Didn't sleep for nights on end, crying all the time. Couldn't mother any of my other children, ready to commit myself to an institution, Rahman al-Islam. So these are a, a sampling of the type of cases that I get. If the case is not this bad on any level, it is not for me. This is one of the reasons that I'm so extreme and people don't understand what I'm doing. But everybody knows that besides for all the kids that are off the derech and on the street, there are some that really are tremendous victims of terrible crimes. There are some who are really way out of control and would be put away in institutions forever. And um, those are the kind of cases that I get. Things that were tried and failed. This is by everybody who comes to me. They tried and they really tried to do the following things and it did not work for this kid. Enforcing rules, modifying rules, asking for only three rules to be kept, taking things away like cell phones, trays, DVD players, negotiating, family therapy, signing contracts, rewarding good behaviors, giving consequences, calling showmen, police, getting an order of protection, rehabs, boot camps, and emancipation, where parents actually go to court to divorce their child. And unfortunately, these are the type of situations that parents come to me. We are not doing chinuch with these children. People call this kira of kraven, but I think that they're a lot further than those who were not born from. It's really kirov of the super far rechaikim, because there's nobody more rechaik than these kids who grew up from and for whatever reason had such a terrible experience and now they're full of hate and confusion. They are so rechaik. They are damaged. They are hurt. They feel abandoned and we need to rescue them. And that's really what we're doing. We're on a rescue mission. I call this Hatzalas Nidachim. The Nesiv Shalom brings down Bechlal Tachlus Habri Yehu Leval Yidach Mimenu Nidach I call this Hatzalus Nidachim, and that's part of the Tachlus, the purpose of the Bria of creation, is that the Eivishter wants that even if somebody's already a Nidach, he also should have a Tikkun. And we should have them in mind when we daven, Mekabetz Nidche Amo Yisrael, Mekabetz Nidocheinu Meyabakan Faisoretz, Uvauhu Oivdim Be'eretz Ashur, Vahanidachim, these are the children that are cast away from society, from Klal Yisrael, and from Mamish, any normal living. TP is the absolute last resort, when nothing else works to make the situation better. And TP is the last ditch effort to de-escalate the situation and save the family. The example that I give is, imagine, God forbid, a child has a disease in his legs, and they try everything to help the child. All kinds of antibiotics, all kinds of treatments. It comes to the day, and the hospital tells the parents, we're really sorry, but in order to save his body, we need to amputate his legs. 
But imagine if around the corner from the hospital, there's this Chinese guy, and he's a, he's like he does alternative medicine. And imagine that he has a success rate, even a one percent success rate, that maybe they won't have to amputate. So what would you do? Would you say no? The hospital says we have to amputate. No, we have to amputate. Or maybe you would try something alternative, hoping, hoping and davening that maybe he could be saved from amputating his legs. And what if it was not a 1% success rate? What if it was a 20% success rate? A vada you would try, a 50% success rate, an 80% success rate. For sure you would try. Chas v'shalom, a few months go by and there's no success. You always can amputate later. And this is what I always say. You can try all kinds of other stuff. Try being normal. Try the all the normal don't enable and give consequences. It's all fine. But in case that treatment causes this patient to get worse and worse and worse, and you're at the point where the parents are being advised to amputate a child, at that point you have nothing to lose. Try TP for a couple of months. See where, where you land. If the parents after three months decide we have to amputate again because we can't live with this child, then you can amputate at that point. I have never had a parent who listened to me who ever felt like we want to get rid of this child after coming to me for a few months. TP will attempt to do the following. Restore total peace and calm in their home. Keep the child at home without any angry outbursts or tense negative energy. Stop the cursing and acting out. Completely kill the anger and rebellion. Get him or her off the streets. Get him or her off all drugs and even weed. Get him or her to stop drinking alcohol. Get him to stop cutting. Get her to be respectful to the rules. Get the kid to wear proper clothing around the house and to the Shabbos table. Get him or her to quit smoking. Decrease the most of the symptoms of mental illness. Help the sibling steig and grow from this experience and increase emuna and Bitochen in the entire family. And we will attempt to do all of this 100% al For the Rabbanim out there that hear things and they're not sure, you have nothing to be fearful of. Because when you send me a parent, you will be the one to decide every step of the way what is Eiskahalten and Mutter and Mechoyev to do and what not. To be very clear, the Mahalach of TP is not to support Averis. It's not to buy drugs for the children. It's not to allow anyone to get hurt. And it's not anything goes. And it's not we have to become friends with our child because that'll make the parents feel better. Just want to be very clear because those are common misconceptions. And if you understand it and you train and you live with the matziv and you send a few parents over and you come to the training, you'll see that that is not the mahalach. Let's move on to the next piece. Looking deeper, the testimony of TP parents. I always ask this when I have guests that are here. I ask the parents Please raise your hands and tell me, growing up, was this kid above average intelligence? And usually almost all the hands go up. And I say, keep your hand up if this was the top kid, about half, stay up. And then I say, raise your hand if this kid growing up was very sensitive and caring, cared about other people's feelings, cared about your feelings, or was he as an azaspanim and a mean, nasty kid with very thick midos? And almost consistently, every parent says that out of all their kids, this kid growing up was the sweetest, most sensitive, caring kid. 
These are the kids that get really bothered when their friend is embarrassed or when a Rebbe punishes a kid in the class and the Rebbe was not right. It bothers them. The injustice bothers them. These are kids that love Hask children and Down syndrome children and they love pets. They're always that kind of sensitive, caring neshama. And that's very, very interesting because a lot of people giving advice about what to do with these kids, they never really worked with these kids. They never got past the outer walls to see the inside kid of what we're actually dealing with. And it's amazing that consistently these kids come from the smartest and sweetest in Klal Yisrael. Let's move on to the next step, the TP training system. At this point, the first thing I do when I get a call from parents, I do an hour conference call with the mother and the father. And I determine whether I think that I can take the case or not. About 90% of the calls that I get, I do not take. And the ones that I do take, I then set up to meet them privately. And I give them the following training. First, I spend two hours with them, usually on a Sunday, where I just listen to the entire history of the child and I take notes. I want to get to know everything about this child. They bring me pictures, they bring me report cards, they bring me diagnoses, all kinds of different things that they bring me. And I get to know the the child and the parents and the family and anything that they want to tell me for those two hours. Then they come in on Monday for 12 hours. That's the first day of training. It's a 12-hour training. And on Tuesday is another 12 hours. And then on Wednesday or Thursday, I give them a private two hours to meet the entire family and the extended family where we create a family team meeting to support what we're going to do and to save their 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 child, their brother, their sibling, their niece, their nephew, the whole family. Sometimes it's very beautiful. Sometimes at these meetings, I can have 20 or 30 family members, extended family members that come to learn what we're going to do to save this child. They then come back every single week to my groups. I have groups Monday night and Tuesday night from 8 to 11. And I also have 1,500 siblings under my care. And I have, besides for meeting them privately with the family meeting and then also whenever the parents need, I also have groups for siblings, for girls from 5 to 6.30, and from boys, for boys of boys or girls who are off the derech. The boys meeting is from 7 to 8.30. And I do this a few times a year, so the girls can meet each other and the boys can meet each other. And tremendous, tremendous chizuk for them, especially for the younger girls where they see married women who come in and they say, we also have a brother and a sister in this situation. And they talk about how they were able to not be embarrassed and steig from from the entire journey. And the same thing by the boys. Uh, It's important for me to mention that I don't charge for any of my services and just paying for the office and helping parents currently costs me approximately $75,000 a year. I also have a fund that I created to help parents who cannot afford to save their child. I don't give them for electricity, for food, but it costs money to save a child in this type of matzav. So I try to help out the parents as well. And that's something that really it's endless. I could use half a million dollars a year for sure. I could, I wish I can, I can mamish give the parents the support that they need to go and save their child's life. The next part is the TP method. What is the actual method of twisted parenting? The Sefer Ikrim says, when the Ebishta said that we are his children, <clears throat> he meant to say that he loves us exactly like a father should love his child in every sense of the word. 
So when we learn from Hashem the way He treated His children when they sin and when they mess up and they cause Him pain, we learn how a parent is supposed to act. The Torah says, as a mitzvah sasei in the Torah of a halachta bedrachov, we should go in Hashem's way. When you do v'halachta bedrachov, it's a mitzvah sasei mamish. Chazal say, how should you do v'halachta bedrachov, zot sefri, hadbeik pimidaisov shalakodesh baruchu. Mahu nikra rachum, af'ata havei rachum. Mahu nikra chanon, af'ata havei chanon. All of the yud gimel midas, when you go ahead and you emulate Hashem's ways, then you get a mitzvah say in the Torah of a halachta bedrachov. Every time you act like Hashem, merciful, gracious, erchapayim, rav chesed ve'emes, noitzah chesed la'alofim, noisei ovoim, all the midas harachamim, you fulfill a mitzvah say in the Torah of a halachta bedrachov. The Nesiva Shalom brings out a point that the Lashon is, af'ata havei rachom, hamashmois bazer, liyois rachom v'chanan be'etzem, the idea is not just to act merciful, like a, a, a nice person wants to act merciful, but to go ahead and become a merciful being. Hashem is irachum. In the beginning, when we see a child acting out, we, we want to get upset and angry, but, okay, I'll act with mercy. But when you really do TP fully inside of you, you don't just act with Rachmanus. You become a Rachum. You mamish see your child in pain. And you mamish become a merciful being. That your first blick, your first uh, evaluation of the child, even when they're doing something bad, is an evaluation of Rachum, Chanun, Erechapayim. And every time you have an option to go the extra mile and act with one of Hashem's 13 character traits of mercy, you should treat it the same as when you're about to do any mitzvah eat matzah, shake lulav. You should go to the mikveh beforehand, you should put on a gartel, you should say, it's good night to say that the Chazanish, he said that it's a mitzvah to vote in Eretz Yisrael. And they asked the Chazanish, they said, a mitzvah? Mamash a mitzvah to vote? You mean a mitzvah mamash like matzah? And he said, no, like mar. Over here also, this is mamash a mitzvah. A mitzvah like matzah? No, it's a mitzvah like mar. It's a bitter mitzvah. It's a bitter mitzvah for the parents that they have to go on this journey and act like Hashem and tolerate and tolerate everything in order to go in the footsteps of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a zayar bitter matzah. So no, let's see, how does Hashem treat His children? The Nesiva Shalom brings down, The love that Hashem has for Klal Yisrael is not totally, not dependent on anything. And therefore, because it's not dependent on anything, it can never be destroyed. It says, It says, Klal Yisrael are called children, but Hashem has another child. Malachi Asheris, angels, are also called Bonim. Shenemar v'yavayu b'nei hu'alikim. V'i'ata yedea eze'ov mehem.
We don't know. Which child does Hashem love more? Wow. Does he love the angels who never mess up and they always listen to him and they're perfect angels? Or does he love Klal Yisrael? We had the Egel and, and all kinds of rebellion. Amkshay Oyrev, Chorban Beis Amigdash, Slachlon Ovinu, Mechalon Amakenu, Alchet, 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 so much Agmas Nefesh. You would think, how, how, what's even the Shiloh? And yet, listen to what Avastor Rebnasen says. Kishu Oyme Bini Bechayri Yisrael. Yisrael, Atem Chavivin Lefanai, Yoisimim Alachay Asharis. We were called Banim Atem Hashem Lekechem. It's true. But Hashem says, Bini Bechayri Yisrael, Yomai Bechayr. Bechayr against who? Against the other children. Compared to the other children, Yomai Bechayr. It's interesting. The angels were really the Bechayr. Angels were, were created before humans were. So really the Bechar. But we got the title of Bechar. The Lashon of Bechar is the Lashon of Ava Vechiba. Atem Chavivin Lefanai. But it gets even better than that, because the Nasi Vishalom points out, when did Hashem say Bini Bechari Yisrael? Bimatzav Kazeh, Shahoyishakulum, Bimemteshari Tumo, Unusunim Bevesavodim, Siha Shiflis, Birachni Yisubagashmis, Kare Lahem Akotish Bochu Bini Bechari Yisrael. If Hashem would have called us Bini Bechari Yisrael by Kabbal Satayra, when we were on the Nun Shari Tahara, Kedusha, okay? Maybe, maybe we're more, still a Chiddush, but okay, we earned it. But that's not when he said, B'ni B'chari Yisrael. He said, B'ni B'chari Yisrael, when we were on a matzav, mamash of memtash, we were bowing to idols. Why did Hashem choose that matzav to tell us that I love you more than Malachi Asharis? Zogta Nesi V'shulim, lo'idiya, sh'loi m'ptei ma'aseim ha'toivim himbonai, e'lehem be'etzem b'ni b'chari, u'memele e'nafkamina ma'amatzavam, to show us that it's not because of your good deeds that you're called my child. You're be'etzem, my child. Your essential, your essence is you are my beloved Bechayr, and I love you more than angels, and therefore it doesn't matter what your matzav is going to be. And Hashem waited till we were on the lowest level, because if He would have told us when we were on the Chav Shari Tumah, then if we ever got below the Chav Shari Tumah, we would say, oh, Hashem for sure doesn't love us anymore. So he waited mamash for the last minute, the lowest level, to prove to us that no matter where you go, no matter what you do, you are more beloved to me. Yoyser, mi malachi hasharis. And the Siva Shalom brings down, Vayoyme David baruch ata Hashem alikei Yisrael, avinu me'olam ve'ad olam. What does it mean? You are our father. Pashib Shadah means forever and ever. Zakta Nasi Vishalam Pirish Barakata Shemalike Yisrael Hincha Avinu Beze Oilam Shaanunin Tsaim. You are our father, whichever world that we find ourselves in. Afilu imnafalush al tahtis, afilushinimtsa bebesat slomim rahmanulitslan, gam shaam hincha avinu, tomidakodish baruchu nimtsa imihudi. Hashem is avinu me oilamad oilam. No matter where you go, you're in yeshiva, Hashem is your father. You're a drug dealer, Rechman al-Litzlan. You're Mechal Shabbos v'Fehesia. You're doing all Averis in the world. Abagam Sham, Hincha Avinu, Tamar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Nimtza Im Yehudi. And these are lessons that if we are to emulate Hashem, that we have to be parents like Hashem is our parent. So these are the messages we have to give to our children. Reb Aaron Agudum Karlin says, "Ahavas Oilam Beis Sol Amcha Ahavta." Parshat Pshat is an everlasting love for Beis Yisrael, my beloved nation. Zok Reb Aaron Agudum, 
אפילו כאשר בייס ישראל, שכולם באהבס עולם, ובטייבס עולם הזה, אפילו עוז עמך אהבת, הנך אויבם, מפני שהם עמך. אהבס עולם בייס ישראל, even when בייס ישראל is loving, עולם הזה, even when they're off track, they're OTD, they're off base, and they're loving not עולם הבא, and תוירה, and רוכניס, they're loving גשמיס, still you should know Amcha after. And I wanted to add, maybe that's why we say at the end of that paragraph, Vahavoscha, Altosr Mimenu, Leoilomim, Barchata Hashem, Oyhevamo Yisrael. Because once we see that the Ava to us is even when we are in Shikuim Bimem Teshari Tumor, Shikuim Bahavas Oilam, still it's Amcha after. That's why Vahavoscha, Altosr Mimenu, the love that Hashem has. Don't take away from us le'olamim in any olam that we're in. And that's why we say, Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you Hashem, Oyev Amo Yisrael. We can really say it. Because if He only loved us when we're good, we wouldn't be able to say these words. But now that we know that He loves us no matter what, we say, Ah, Baruch Atah Hashem, that you love, you love Amo Yisrael, Oyev Amo Yisrael, an everlasting love, an unconditional love that is with us no matter what matzav we're in. The Gemara says, Amar of Abba Barzavda, Afal Pishachata Yisraelhu. Psik the Zutrisha says, Afilu Boygdov Rishoim Shabi Yisrael Tzadikim Heim, Shinema Vaamech Kulam Tzadikim. Even the rebels, the Rishoim of Klal Yisrael, are Tzadikim. Shinema, because it says Vaamech Kulam Tzadikim, it means Kulam, everyone. The Baal Shemtiv said, Miyitain Vichalti Lehoi Vesat Tzadik Hagodobi Yisrael, Kishem Shashem Isbarach Oyevesa Rosha. Halavai, if I would be able to love the greatest tzaddik as much as Hashem loves the greatest, the greatest Russia in Klal Yisrael. The Medrash says, Chaviven hein Yisrael, she'afal pishein t'meim, shechina b'neim. Yisrael is so beloved that even when they're tamei, the shechina is with them. And so the lesson from all of this is, we need to prove to our children, even if he's doing something terrible, his status remains as your child and he will never be demoted. The next lesson, we all know these words. But the Nesiv Shalom brings down even more. Okay. But the Nesiv Shalom brings down even, but the Nesiv Shalom makes it more clear. This Havtocha, that Hashem is our father. He have tocha nitzchias lechol Yehudi v'Yehudi. Va'ashrechem Yisrael b'zeh b'miyuchad shebaoid atemuluchlochem harigam ken avichem shebashemayim. What is the big maila? What is he saying, Rebbe Kiva? Ashrechem Yisrael. What are you so fortunate about? You know why? Because who's he talking about? Who needs to become tahar? Those that are not tahar. Those that are tamei. And still. Who is going to be matar you? Hashem could say, go to the angels, go to somebody else, go to your Rav, he'll be matar. When you're nice and clean, come to me, come to Tati. No, Hashem says, I'm going to cleanse you myself. I'm going to clean you myself. And because Hashem, Avichem Shvashamayim, is going to clean you himself, he's going to deal with you even in the Tumah. That is the Ashrechim Yisrael. That's why you're so fortunate. The Redak says beautifully in Shayo. You have been carried as a child in a mother's womb. 
And so Hashem says, I will carry you and I will tolerate you until the end of time. Through all of your days, good and bad, kol yomechem, loy etoish eschem, I will never abandon you. Psikta derev Kahana says, Rufuna b'shemir Baba Omar, kaviyochal in shichalafonov, Hashem never forgets anything, but ubishvil Yisrael nasa shachon. Sometimes Hashem makes believe he doesn't remember everything. We don't always have to remember everything that happened. Taim Medvarah says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu noisei v'soiva la'avoyin chumoshu uzon ha'olam kulo izonu mefarnes ha'mashchus hazeh When a person does an aver, he creates mashchisim, angels that want to come and eat him up. And the Ebishti gives them food, gives them sustenance. Can you imagine a father that has a child that owes $5,000 to the drug dealer and the drug dealer is going to come and beat him up or kill him? And the father goes ahead, goes to the drug dealer and he's on him the drug dealer and he says, no, stay away from my son. I'll pay you off. I'll pay you off. But, but don't, don't hurt my child. That's what Hashem does for every one of us because we create mashkisim with our sins. But Hashem gives them the sustenance. Otherwise, they would come after us, and he gives them sustenance because he knows that one day, Be'ezus Hashem, of course, that we are going to do tshuva. Psikhtadurf Kahana says, Rebeleza Oymir Rav Chesed, what does Rav Chesed mean? Maznayim Uyonais Avoynois Mikan Uschias Mikan, Rakodesh Borchu Choytiv Shtar Echod, Michel Avoynois Uschias Machriois, Umuniacho Oven Tachas, Parpereim Shaloi, Ilamolik Sivi Yefshal Oymer Nasasa Avoyna Mecha Kisiso Kochatosim Sela. The Abishta goes into the accounting department and he sees that this Jew, his son, Chayim, is in big trouble. He sees that the sins are getting really big. And they're going to overpower the schuyas. So Hashem, so to speak, tells the angels, hey, look over there. Is that a spider on the wall? They look around. Hashem, Michel he grabs one of the shtaris of the avonah, of some of the sins, and he puts it under his coat. And he says, okay, guys, I'll see you later. And he walks out. We can never say such a thing. Where's justice? But when it comes to a child, justice is different. Midas HaRachmanos. Is Mamish taking over that Hashem goes ahead and he, he takes one of the Avoinis himself off the Cheshbon for no reason, just because I love you. So that the Midas of, of, of the Schias could be, Mechriyas can go up and could be more powerful so his son could have a good year. And that way his son can win in the Mishpat. Medrash says, Hashem says, I swear that I will never abandon or forsake you whether or not you deserve me. Nesiv Shalom brings down Yehudim Chuyiv Laham and Ayid has to believe. Hashem chose us from all the other nations. He dwells with us even in our Tumah. And he brings down from the Basayim that says the following Someone who he believes in Hashem. But he doesn't believe in Hashem and Itam Masech Tomasam. He's also an Apikaris. The Heiliger Rishon is said, Ben Amelech Le'olum Nishar Ben Amelech. A prince always remains a prince. Once you're born in the DNA, you're a prince. Once you're born to a king and, and a queen, you are a prince. It never changes. It can never change, no matter what they do to you, no matter where a prince ends up in the world, he is a prince. The Yaakut Shemayni says, Chavivin Yisrael, Yisrael are beloved, which comes from our sins, any place that we are exiled to, the Shechina goes out with them. I always wonder, for the people who advocate to parents, they should lock their child out of the house. I never ever 
was in a matziv that I needed to do that. That only comes because they don't know how to de-escalate the situation. And Nebuch, their mom is so scared and they don't know what else to do, so you got to lock the kid out. But even if you have to do that, chas v'shalom. So where do the parents stay? They go to sleep in their bed and their kid is outside in the freezing cold on a park bench, really? Even if you have to lock the kid out, but then you should stay on the outside. And the kid's going to say, what are you doing here? Say, what do you mean? I have to lock you out. Yes, yeah, so you locked me out. What are you doing out here? Say, I am not going to stay inside in the warm house while my beloved child is outside in the freezing cold. If you're out, I'm out. Oh, that at least I could understand. When, when we lost the base Hamikdash because of our sins, Hashem could have stayed over there and said, okay, I'll see you guys when you're ready to behave. I'm, I'm staying home. But no, we packed up and we went into Golos and Hashem Kaviochel packed up his suitcases, came into Bavel, went into Golos with us, goes around in our Golos. Why? Hashem could have said, I didn't do anything wrong. Why should I lose my privilege? You didn't behave. So you lost your privilege. I'm staying home. When you're ready to come back to Yerushalayim, you'll get the base of Middash. I'm here waiting for you. Do tshuva. Come back. No. A father doesn't do that to a child. Rashi brings down, Hashem aleikov imoi, when it says that Hashem is with us, afilu mamrim Even when we get him angry and we rebel in front of Hashem, he doesn't budge from our side. The Medrash Tanchuma says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu noisim ba-midbar kaviyochel, kashayisa ish espenoi, v'hoisa avoy dezara biyadam. The Ebesh to carry this in the midbar, like a, a, a parent holds their child, and we were holding avoy dezara. It's amazing. That's the Psaq Lahalacha that, that comes in the Gea. You know, you're not allowed to carry a rock on Shabbos, but you're allowed to carry a child. And the Gemara is, so what happens if the child is holding a rock? Are you allowed to lift up the child or not? Uh, on the one hand, you're allowed to carry the child. On the other hand, by carrying the child, then you're carrying the stone. And you're not allowed to carry a stone on Shabbos. What's the halacha? And this is how they know. Because Hashem carried us, and we had Avoy Dezara B'yadam. So it's Muktzah. How could Hashem carry Avoy Dezara? Teretz is, you see that you're allowed to carry your child, regardless of what your child is holding, and where he is holding. The Medrash Tanchuma says, Rabbi Yaisi Oimer, Yesh Busha G'daylu Mizu, Yisrael Oivim B'yamsuf, Upesel Micha Oiver Imohem, V'hayom Nikr Lefneim. Amazing. While Hashem did the greatest miracle in the history of the world, and we are experiencing the miracle, we're walking through water, which is standing up, and there's trees popping out with candy, with food, and it's dry land, all the miracles that happened, and Pesel Micha is going with us. Hashem could have said, like the TSA, before you board the flights, all the metal goes on the conveyor belt, and it beeps. Hashem could have had a system over there. Beep, beep, beep. Avoid the Zara? No, you have to throw it out. You can't come in here. you got to choose. You like your Avoid the Zara? Then cross with the Mitzrayim, with their Avoid the Zara. But you can't cross with the Jewish people while I'm doing all of this with Avoid the Zara. Imam is holding it. How can it be? And Hashem still did this mitzvah, Zot the Medrash. Hayom nikr lefneim. Lecha Hashem hatztaka. Sometimes parents give their kids the credit card, give the kid money, keys, and they're using it for the most horrible things. Wow. The day that, I, that we did the ego, on that day the man fell, and there were Jews that took the actual man, which is mamish, heavenly magic food, and they took this man and they took part of it, they were makar of it to the ego. And 
And the next day we got mun again. Mun is sustenance. You can't turn off the respirator. The child will die. If Hashem didn't give us food, we're dead. And he could not stop providing sustenance for us, regardless of the low level that we felt, that we used the sustenance, the mun, mamish, the actual magic food that tastes like anything, and we used it for Avedizar. The truth is, we always do that, because everything is magical. Everything is mamish magic. The fact that we can breathe, that we're alive, and we use kaychis, and all the gifts that Hashem gives us, we use it for sin. So we're really doing the same thing. And still, a person, a person should drop dead the second as he sins, using Hashem's kaychis, but it doesn't work like that. Hashem keeps us alive. Shema yasa tshuva, we're going to do tshuva. All of these are lessons that we see how Hashem deals with His children, so we can learn the feelings that we need to have towards wayward, wayward, struggling children. Now, how should a person act when he sees that his child is sin? sin? And now let's see how should a now let's see how should a parent act when his child sins terribly. I found this Ramban, which is mamish meyudik. In Bereshis, it says pasuk chavbeis. Yaakov Avinu went Be'eretzahi, he went away. Ruven came Be'yishkav Azbila, he did a big Avera. Be'yishma Yisrael and Yaakov Avinu heard. And then the Pasuk continues, Be'yu b'nei Yaakov shnei Maser. And Yaakov had 12 children. And then the next Pasuk, Pasuk of Gimel, it starts to count the b'nei Yaakov. B'nei Leah, Be'chor Yaakov Ruven, that Ruven is still the Be'chor. It counts all of them. So the Ramban asks a question. Really, there's two separate stories happening here. End of story. In fact, the next words are not just part of the next Pasuk. It, there's a Psikta in the middle. It's part of a whole new story, a whole new paragraph, a whole new chapter. The next chapter is Pasuk Chav Gimel, Vayu b'nei Yaakov shnei Maser, b'nei Leah, b'char Yaakov Ruven, and it counts all of the 12 children of Yaakov. Frek the Ramban, who ever heard of such a thing, that you took the words, Vayu b'nei Yaakov shnei Maser, that Yaakov had 12 children, which were from the next Pasuk, and in fact from the next paragraph. And it schleps it into Pasuk Chav Beis. Why does it do that? And Frek the Ramban, Dvarim na'iroim, Sipar ha'kosuv, anvesanusoi, it's unbelievable. Really, it's a totally new chapter. The Yaakov had 12 children. But the Torah schleps that, those words into Pasuk Chav Beis to tell you that his first gut reaction, his response to hearing what his son did, was not that you should throw him out of the house and that he's not going to be part of my children. But no, he's still going to be counted and he's still counted first. That means that he had 12 seats at his Shabbos table. And Avada, what Ruven did, it cost him spiritually, it cost him the Malucha, it cost him the Malchus, it cost him the Kahuna. He lost out terribly. Yeah, it could be you're going to lose out a lot, but you're still my son, and you're still my Bechar. Nobody's going anywhere. 
This has to be the gut reaction of a parent, no matter what you hear your child does. Your first reaction is you take a deep breath and you say, I had six children and I still have six children. This kid was number three and he's still number three. And his seat at the Shabbos table is still there. It takes tremendous, like the Ramban says, because of Anvisonusoy. Yaakov Leimais, Yaakov had total control. He never did an Avera, he was a perfect being. And such a perfect being could have the Anivos that's required to hear that your son did such a terrible thing. People say, get out, that's not Anvisonusoy. That comes from ego, from self, from zich. That comes from normal bad mitos that we all have. It's taka, such a terrible, terrible thing. But the perfect Yaakov, the regular shechina, the regular markova, the, the epitome of anivos is that no matter what the child did, he was able to say right away, that you, B'nai Yaakov, Shneim Osir, I still have 12 children. And my first child, Bechar Yaakov, still called a Bechar, you will always be my Bechar. This child, no matter what he does, the parent has to tell him, this is your family, this is your Shabbos table, this is your seat. It doesn't matter what you do. You can never be divorced. There's no such thing. I'll be telling you, emancipate, emancipate. What kind of business is this? People are divorcing their children, throwing them out. Where do you ever see that a parent throughout their child? No, but what about if the child goes, mamish off to derech, So look what the Baal Shem Tev says. In Kuntris Chagashvus Ber Yehuda, in the name of the Medrash Pinchas, <coughs> Adam Kosher, Shiatsu Banav Latar Basra Isulakfira, Bitsiva Habal Shemtav La Aviv, Lehoiv Oisam Biyoiser, Umachmazois, Yatsu Mikfira. There was a Yid, an Erlachid, that his children, more than one, says Lashan Rabim, his children went Latar Basra Isulakfira, atheism. An atheist has no Shabbos, he's Machal Shabbos, he's eating on Yom Kippur, he's eating Treif on Yom Kippur. McDonald's on Yom Kippur, and he says there's no God. What did the Baal Shem Tev say? Love them more. And what happened to that treatment? That taka worked. The child is sick, but the chemo for the sickness is love from the parents. He didn't say, what about showing consequences and you can't enable and you have to worry about your other children and nothing. He said, your child is sick. There is a medicine. The medicine is inside of the parents. The opposite of what so many people are doing and so many people advising parents that causes them to have anger and hatred, resentment and all of these things. It escalates the situation because the child is sick. You don't give the medicine. He gets even more sick. But imagine if you give the medicine that is Badakumanusa to work, you could rely on the Balshemtiv to give the medicine. This should be the only advice that any person gives the parents. That according to the Balshemtiv who knew the Neshama, the medicine that you're looking for is love. Lehoif Oisam Biyaiser. And anything else is just getting in the way of giving the medicine to treat the machla. But it's not just the Balshemtiv. The Chazan Ish. It says in Sefer Maise Ish, Chelik Aleph, on page 72. Kisha also ala perik, Sha'ila Sayachasim, Ben Hurim, Liyaladim, Shiyotu, Lutarbois, Ra'a, Rachmano, Litzlan. They asked the Chazan Ish straight out. What should the relationship be between parents and children that go Lutarbois, Ra'a? You would have thought, you know what he's going to say? Well, you better make sure he's not Mashpi on the other children. 
You should give consequences. Don't enable um, bad behavior. You have to reward this and punishment and don't punish bad All of that. Where does that come from? No. He gave Pull the child in. Try to pull him in with ropes of love. Now, what is ropes of love? Most people don't know how to pull somebody's neshama, nefesh, into them with ropes of love, even on their spouse and even on their good kids. This is a tremendous new talent that needs to be cultivated. How to be mamish like a cult leader, like like a like a person who can be kaina people, kaina avada, right? To be kaina people takes a lot of skill. Find ways of binding yourself to the child, binding your nefesh to the nefesh of the sick person. With ropes, cords of love. And the second part is, don't be matche. If you're going to say something that the child is going to feel rejected, I believe that goes against beferish, against the chazayin ish. And the truth is, if everybody would just take this Baal Shem Tev and this Chazanish and use that as, as, a, as a Mahalach, you would already be good. We wouldn't have thousands of kids lost to Klal Yisrael. We wouldn't have organizations that were formed uh, by these kids who we left for dead, who somehow made it alive and they're helping each other go off the derech. We wouldn't have kids in the parks and in the lakes. It wouldn't exist. Everybody would be treating their child with the medicine that they need. And every parent knows. When you said da-da-da-da-da, what was the result? Do you think you accomplished to be Mashcham Avoysa Sahava? Or by saying that, you actually created that there are no Avoysa Sahava? When you said, da 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 da, will you Lidchaisam or not? Be honest. When you tell the child, it could sound very good. You can't do da 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 da. Isn't that Lidchaisam Khalila? Why don't you stop for one year or for six months? Stop doing the things for whatever reason that cause rejection. And do the things to build Lemashchem Avaisama, see what happens. Because it's absolutely fascinating to me. So many people, even those that advocate love, but they drop the ball on the kid because of side reasons. You can't this, and we're worried about this and that. And they don't give the treatment that works clear. What I do with Twisted Parenting is focus on this. We're not going to do anything that's going to cause the child rejection. And you know what happens? What's amazing is that so many of the people say, okay, you have to love the child, but he has to wear a yarmulke in the house. They come to me and I tell them he's going to feel, and you already know it because you tried asking him to do it, he feels rejection and it's ruining, it's pulling out the respirator. So don't do it. You know what happens? The kid wears a yarmulke. You know how many parents will testify that by doing twisted parenting, those rules that they were told are ad khan rules because they gave medicine the kid ends up doing all those rules and much more. We, we, you can write down the rules that you're trying to accomplish, but instead of being thick-headed and saying, right now, he has to, January 1st, he has to abide by those rules. I'll give you a challenge. Send me those parents. Give me 90 days. And you'll see the kid will listen to all those rules. Why does getting the kid to listen to the rules have to only be by saying, you must do this and that. Why can't we be wise about it and smart about it and heal the child with the medicine of the Baal Shem Tev and the Chazanish so that way the kid on his own is going to do those rules? What's wrong with that? Why can't we be wise? We get the kid to listen to those rules that you care so much about, but we do it in a wise way. 
And this is proof from the Chazanish and from the Balshemtiv that love and acceptance is not a new and Western liberal weak concept. This is an old, entrenched in the Torah concept. And let's understand: rejection causes the child more internal pain, which in turn causes the child to rebel even more. The Torah tells us that on his deathbed, Yaakov Avinu gave Musa to Reuven. But how long did Yaakov Avinu hold off on giving Reuven this Musa? 45 years. Rashi is in Devarim, Why wasn't he Reuven, all of these years? Why did he wait 45 years? Zagrashi, Kadesh, That Yaakov was worried that Reuven, the Bechar of the Shvatim, not a kid in pain, not a troubled, struggling teenager, but Reuven, the Bechar of the Shifteka, Yaakov Avinu was worried, and Yaakov was going to give the perfect Musa. He wasn't going to lose his temper. Yaakov Avinu lay mace. He never did an Averi. He had total control over himself. But he still was worried that maybe my son Ruvain is going to go and get close and connected to Esav Achi, to Esav, my brother. And therefore, even though I really, really want to tell him this rebuke, what he did was really wrong, it's Kedai to keep my mouth shut for 45 years. Grada, as a side, it's very interesting. So the Shaila is, so why at that point did he say it? So Pashib Shad is because he couldn't wait any longer and his son needed to know that he did the wrong thing. So he had no choice. But one of the parents said that comes to me came up with a great chap that says that Rivka knew that Yaakov and Esav are going to die the same day. Probably Yaakov also knew that Esav is going to die the same day and therefore Esav is no longer a threat. Once he knew Esav is not a threat anymore, immediately he can go ahead and give Ruvain Musa. Lemaisev, he waited 45 years. Zavtu B'Shimshin David Pinkus. Kayoim yeshnam harbe anoshem ba'ilam achitzani. Shirak mechakim sheyelot charedi yipalit achutza. In our day, there are many people who are waiting anxiously for a from child to escape from our life. Vehim kvar yaniku lo yichoyim va'ahava ketachlef lebeis hoyrev chalila. Etzleinu targish toiv. They are prepared to give this poor child all the warmth and love, the acceptance that he's dying for. Rabbi say he said this over 15 years ago. Today, there are literally thousands of Esavs just waiting for our children to feel slightly disenchanted with us and with Yiddishkeit. And therefore, when a child is in a matzav where he's struggling, and you have to go ahead and make a decision, what am I going to tell him? You need to decide not just, I have to tell him now, I have to draw the line. You have to realize what you're playing with. You're playing with rejection. Rejection is fire because it can push him into the arms of the people on the street that the child feels, you know, I just, I feel more comfortable with those kids on the street. We we just get along better. It's more natural. It's easier for me. I don't have to try that hard. At home, everything is, and on the street, you know, the worse you are on the street, the more they like you. The higher your skirt is, they say, hey, raise it even higher. You know how to steal, even better. You want to jump around, you may, whatever you do, the worse you are, the more grief they give you at home and, and the more geschmack and acceptance they give you on the street. So at some point, the kid says, you know what, I just, I feel more comfortable just being me on the street. At home, I have to deal with their looks and their comments. You don't dress like this, and you didn't come like this, and you're not allowed to come down like this. All this criticism, I'm just not comfortable. And what happens is, we're so busy criticizing, so we don't give the medicine. So of course the kid gets worse. The fever goes up, and then we lose the kid. 
In Sefer Maisa Ish, it's brought down, Rablevi Shainan says a story that his mother had a cousin who was a Yesayma from the terrorist attacks in Israel. And she was always Makarev, this, this person, this girl. And she wanted her to marry a Ben Tyra. And she made a neder that if she's not going to marry a Ben Tyra, I'm not going to go to your wedding. Time went on, and unfortunately she became engaged. This Yesayma became engaged to a Chilaini, to a not from person. And so she asked me to ask the Chazan Ish, what am I supposed to do now? And the Chazan Ish answered, Ein zed derech, tzorech lekarev, v'oleho lahatiris nidra. This is not a way. The concept, the concept, if you don't marry a from person, I'm making a neder, I'm not going to go. There's no such concept. It's rejection. It's not a Torah concept. If you're not from, I'm not going to go to your wedding. If you're not from, I need to go to your wedding even more. We have to be makar of the people who are distant. The whole concept is Moshe Kapoy is upside down. If you give me nachas, I give you a hug. The kid who's doing well doesn't need your hug as much as the one who doesn't do well. So the Mechazanish said, Ein derech. It's not a derech To the concept of telling somebody, if you don't marry somebody from, if you don't act right, I swear, I promise, Tzarech lekarev. Ve'olel lahatir es nidrish es matin neder. She needs to be at that wedding. We have this, unfortunately, people say, what do I do? My child's marrying somebody not from. You have to ask Yodah's Torah, but it seems very clear from the Chazanish what you should do. And even normally, no, and even normal healthy kids in our generation need tremendous kiruv and no richuk. And there's a psak la'alacha for regular healthy kids from Rebbe Yashiv. Ramosh ist moron her zatzal. What is the proper path to teach children in our generation? The great Rebbe Yashiv responded, Yemin mekareves, Yemin mekareves, Yemin mekareves. Pull him close, pull him close, pull him close. Rav Gans challenged him and he asked, what about the concept of small doicha being strict? You have to be a little bit, Yemin mekarev and small doicha. What happened to small doicha? Zat Rebbe Yashiv. Ochein, pam bechamishim shana, yeah, there may be one time in 50 years that you should, you should punish and utilize small doicha, but then immediately go right back to Yemin Mekarevis. Pile Ploim, Rebbe Yashiv. Yashiv was not a smiley, mushy, kabach, nanach guy. He knew the generation. He said that in our generation there is no small doicha. Once in 50 years, can you imagine? Rabbi Gamliel Rabbanovich writes, in Tiv HaToyrah, Umashayimim b'shem adoyris hakoidimim, she'eshoamuna moisim li'ladim imaklois, for what it says in the, in the name of the earlier generations, that the Messiah is given over with a stick, dvarim elu loy aldoireinu nemru. This was not said for our generation. The reality reveals that the complete opposite is true. Only by giving a child love and respect, kavod, can one successfully be mechanech children today. And he's talking about healthy children, regular children. I had a parent of mine that went to Gamliel and he told him, my, my son is struggling, and he told him, and when he left the, the room, Rabbi Gamil called out after him. He said, Gedenk, remember, Kabit es bincha vespitecha. Rabbi Hershel Espinka said already 30 years ago, he told his mechanchim that this dar falanknish kampech, 
You can't hit these kids anymore. These kids are too sensitive in America. American kids do not respond well to Petch. And this was for healthy children. But what about the ones that drop out? What's the Torah view of the dropouts? Zaktu Pshimshin David Pinkis, that's all. The Inyan Hanoshrim. Yiladim Elu Heim Bibchinas Chaylim. Children who leave the fold are considered sick. And a sick person needs love and pampering. Pampering. Everybody knows that if somebody's sick, you spoil them. Chai Lifeline takes kids with cancer to boost them. They take them to, to, to all places, to Disney World, Florida. Why? They're going to be spoiled. First of all, let's get them healthy, and then we'll worry and deal with the fact that maybe they'll be spoiled. Right now, actually, I find the kids don't get spoiled at all. When you're so in the negative and you're depressed, it's just evening a little bit of your pain. It doesn't make you spoiled. But he says, Do not touch the child. Don't do anything that may harm him in any way. Just shower him with warmth and love. The truth is, I really don't understand. People say unconditional love. What does unconditional love mean? I don't understand. I should love my child even though he's doing something bad. But you wouldn't say that if somebody's sick. We see over here that these children are sick. And we know from all the, the, the people who are working with kids that these kids are usually kids who suffered trauma and depression and problems. Lamaisa, you don't go into the hospital and say, tell the father, even though your son, you know, you had a heart attack and he didn't put on tefillin today, but you love him unconditionally. No, when you understand the mass of the child, that he didn't become bad, he's going through a hard time, he's sick, so you don't need to come on to unconditional love to love the child. You love him because you love him. These children who we know are suffering and in pain, so we love them not because of unconditional love. I love you even though you're bad. They're not bad. The things that they're doing are as a result of the things that happened to them. Kiyodua. The Siva Shalom brings down. If you see a child, a healthy child, acting out and sinning no matter how severe. If his actions are a result of emotional pain, which we definitely know today these kids are acting out of emotional pain, certainly a suffake emotional pain. But let's say this child was acting out of emotional pain. Any misplaced discipline is just going to aggravate the situation much more. Which in spiritual terms is literally, literally like murdering him. When parents are in the situation, are in the situation, you can't take a chance. Because if you get it wrong and you give rejection, and you give a, 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 you dig into them an insult, and it turns out that the only reason that the child was acting this way, as usual, as like it usually is, but even if it's a suffix, and it turns out that Takei was in emotional pain, so you went to someone who has pain, and you caused them more pain. Spiritually, you're murdering him. And I could tell you that if all the parents, when the kids started going off, out of 100% of parents, if they just would have done nothing, if they would have become dumb and not care about anything and just hug and love, you wouldn't have the matzav of today. You wouldn't have the the, the the suicides and the overdoses and you wouldn't have the... Because the damage, so much damage is done because the parents aren't trained. Nobody's explaining to them. 
that their child is sick and going through a hard time. And nobody's explaining to them that by giving more aggravation to the child, you're going to, Mamash, you're causing him to do and end up in much worse matzavim that he would not have been even with his own pain. Many of the parents who came to me told me that they never knew before coming to me. They didn't realize how close their kip was to suicide until a few years later. Once their child was extremely comfortable with the parents and able to open up, they admit to the parents and they say that most of them had times that they really wanted to die. There's a story of a bacher that was in Yisrael and he was off the derech and he was struggling, troubled, and he came to his sister's simcha that he wanted to be a part of and somebody in the family went over to him and said, You don't belong over here. And ten minutes later he hung himself. I have the sign over here of the Baruch Dainemis sign that they were sitting shiva for him and a picture of the boy. Now the person who did this did not mean to kill him, I'm sure. He thought that this is what I, I, I come on, you know, he came probably in jeans on a motorcycle or something. I got, yeah, he's a rebel, he's a tough guy, he doesn't care, obviously he doesn't care about anybody. He's obviously very tough, and I got to put him in his place. Sometimes we don't realize how close to the ledge these kids are. How many suicides and overdoses, Rahman al-Islam, did we have last year from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah in one year? We had over 85 kids who were buried by their parents. Whoever heard of this since Bria Sa'ilam? Kids who grew up from Er Lechashtibah, wonderful families and parents, burying children, mamish, over 85 from suicides and overdoses. And the overdoses are also suicides because these are kids who are in so much pain that they're playing with fire. They're doing heroin, they're doing hard drugs. They know they're almost dead. And, and it's not like Mamash, a total mistake. Rabbi Gamliel Rabinovich said that these kids are the mace mitzvah of our generation. And we know that if the Kohen Gadol, the holiest person, on Yom Kippur, the holiest day, is going to the Kachay Kedashim, the holiest place, and on the way he sees a mace mitzvah, he has to be Matame himself and not go to the Kachay Kedashim. Because a mace mitzvah that you see, you have to drop everything and to focus no matter what, you're going to lose out. Focus, this is your mitzvah. These kids are the mace mitzvah of our generation. We're walking to shul, we're walking back from shul, walking Friday night, walking during the week. We see these kids look the other way. We ignore them. We're missing out on our chiv, our responsibility to go out to these kids that are the mace mitzvah of our generation and save them. And they're so savable. But we have to know how. We have to have the tools. And Shmuel Birnbaum writes, In America, there is a common sickness called depression. It seems to me, Zaktub Shmuel Birnbaum, that in someone, someone who has this depression, it's mutter to be mechal Shabbos for somebody who is suffering with depression. Misha enoi margish roimamos, because someone who doesn't feel exalted. Miyoidea, le'eza matzav shel sakana, yachal hu You don't know which matzav of sakana he's gonna, he can roll into. It's like the floor opens up from under them. Misha enoi margish roimamos is not a deep depression. It's mild. Someone who just doesn't feel exalted. It's probably a lot of people. And he says, but you never know. That person could hit. And Mama, she could fall into a deep depression and end up in a massive sakana.
Of course, you need a Pesach in every single Matzav to decide and to know what to do. But but this is a Psak, it's a Havana of understanding that times changed. And in this America, he was Magdir. There's something different here. There are people who are depressed. And if you're depressed, and somehow you can get the guy out of the depression by, I don't know what he meant, driving over to the guy's house, taking him somewhere, I don't know what, what. But Mutal Chal Shabbos, for someone who's soivo mimachlazu, because even if you just don't feel raimamus, you never know where the guy can fall, fall down, down, down. And of course, it has to be under rabbinical supervision. This is just to open our minds. Yimshim Shim David Pinkas Paskins, Ba'alacha Nifsak, Shebegoises Asr Lagas, Ve'asr Afilu Lahatza Mesenov, Ve'oisek Achareu Shoifich Domen. If there's a person who's almost dead, you're not allowed to touch him. You're not allowed to even close his eyes. If you cause him to die one second earlier, you're a murderer. Wow. It seems like, he says, seems to me that so too, somebody who's a spiritual Geisus, so many of these kids, are they going to fast Jim Kippur this year? If we're super nice to them, it could be they will. I had such nachas, this Matzah Yom Kippur, when on my chat, where I have hundreds of parents on the chat, when so many parents said, wow, amazing, my kid fasted Jim Kippur. Kids who you never would have imagined that it would have been even in their mindset. And they fasted Jim Kippur. And what about the ones who didn't? But maybe next year they will. There are geysers for next year, Yom Kippur. Or for five years from now, Yom Kippur. They're hanging on. When you merachek them, you have to have a very, very good heter to be merachek a child. Not for theories and not for words that come from the Goyim. But it has to, mamish, you have to realize if I'm Merachik him, I'm causing him mamish, I can cause that he won't fast him Kippur. I'll put the child in a matzah that, that he's going to end up more depressed. And mamish, I could be a murderer. What is the Eitzah with these kids? Do not reject them. Do not be Merachik them. Because at the end of the day, they all come back. But if you merachik them, you just create a situation. You're creating a situation they won't have where to return to. Most of these kids come back. If it's five years, if it's ten years, it's not up to us. But they come back. But the ones who the father said, I can't look at you, you're dead to me. And the mother says, get out of here, you're killing me, you're ruining our family. And they call the police and they throw the kid in a psych ward and they make the kid so impossible that the kid can't live at home comfortably. So he goes out and he goes from place to place and he's homeless and he gets hooked on drugs because of that. Those kids, even when they want to come back one day, they don't have where to come back to. So many kids that are in in the village full of tattoos, and in all kinds of places far away from home. And even if they have, and they think to themselves, they have a machshava, I wish I can come home for some, my mother's chulant. I want to come for a meal. I can't, because too much too much bad blood, too much hate. At least what TP does is we're paving the road behind them. So as soon as they're ever ready to turn around, their parents are mamish right there waiting for them. And those moments do happen. We see it all the time. We're mamish, Yeshua Sashem Karev Ayin. Could be two years later, three years later, four years later, and the kid all of a sudden, and he just, they become alive. 
and so many testimonies. Now is not the place for it. We have so many testimonies that are recorded. And you can meet the parents, how it's like they come out of a coma and all of a sudden they're interested in getting their life together. And all of a sudden they're interested in Torah and in Shabbos and in, in learning and they go to yeshiva. It's mamish happened so many hundreds of times. It's incredible. I heard the following story from the Baal Maisa himself. About 45 years ago, he was a hosbucher by one of the biggest tzaddikim of the generation. And he went off to Derech, him and a friend of his, at about 16 years old. He went off to Derech and he left. And when he left, his parents' reaction was, they said, listen, this is your house. You're always welcome to come back home anytime. And they used to send them money from time to time. His friend's parents had a different reaction. They raised Kriya. They said Kaddish. They sat Shiva. They told him, you're dead to us. After a couple of years, he lost track of his friend. And one day he said he was in Manhattan. He was having a coffee in a coffee shop. And in front of the window, he sees a homeless guy with a long beard, schlepping packages, walking past. And he takes a second look at the guy and he hops. This is his friend. This is the guy that he left with. He runs outside. How are you? What happened to you? The guy was on drugs. He was homeless. He was, he was a nothing and nobody. And a few weeks later, his friend killed himself. Because his parents said, you're dead to me. He was taka dead and he became dead to them. But this guy, whose parents left the door open and said, "This you're our child and this is your home. What's the end of his story? He ended up coming back to do tshuva and he built a beautiful family, children, grandchildren, all in the Derech today. And Erlich, from learning in Kail and working and supporting Meistus and he ended up becoming one of the biggest Gevirim in Klal Yisrael that we almost lost. And he's mamish machzik Torah. He, he's holding up so much Torah and Kailulim and Yeshivas and Chesed organizations. He's one of the biggest Balitztaka in the world. And what was the difference between him and his friend? His parents said, you're always going to be our son. And therefore he was able to recover. And the other guy, the other guy Nebuch, it seems like we could say, his parents killed him. Reb Gershon Edelstein, the Rosh Hashiva of Panavish, he says very, very clear, Yelich in a skalkel, Tzarech linhoig imoi, biyedidis uvekavoid ulekarav oisai, kemoi shar hayaladim. A child that is becoming ruined, he's, he's challenged, he's struggling. You have to deal with him with yedidus, friendship, kavoid, respect. Wow. Ulekarav oisai. To pull him in. Like your other kids. And then there's hope that he'll come back and he'll do tshuva. You don't have to tell him off. He knows himself he's not doing the way that he was brought up to do. He knows that it's not nice the way he's acting, that he's going against the, the vibes of the family, the way that he was brought up, going against his family. He's trapped. He's forced. He's stuck. And the Yitzhahara right now is shaylut on him. And he can't get himself out of his matzav. But v'im noyhagim imoy biyedidus. If you're his friend, zenoysen loy mekabal koychos, you're giving him the extra energy, v'yashtikva sheyachser lamutov, and there's hope that he'll come back to be good. Aval imarchikim oisei. Nasa yoyse gorua. But if you merachikim, what does merachik mean to these kids? You look at him. You look at him down. That's Rechuk. That's the way you dress. That's the way you come. How do you come? You're doing this. Why are you going like that? Anything that the child is going to spear is going to feel Rechuk. 
Nasser Yosegura. This is a fact. Edelstein. And if you make somebody worse, what's the halacha? The parent, who's never, I feel bad for the parents, right? But they're looking and saying, come on, you shouldn't dress in jeans. You can't go leave the house without your socks on for the, for the girl. You have to be tzniyas. All the stuff that they're doing. But lemaisa, you're merachik, by being merachik, them nasa, yoisa, gerua. Ve'oiver ho'av, v'lifnei iver. Bifnei shemachshel b'zeas ha'ben. Shegoidom lo'i li'eschatzav e'lov. When you challenge the child and they curse you, you were oiver l'fnei iver, you cause them to become chutzpedek to you. K'mai she'omru ba'av ha'makas b'nei ha'gadol she'oiver l'fnei iver. Just like a, a parent who hits their big child, their older son, that you over with naive because the sun could hit you back. So too, these kids who are full of tsar, when you are merachic them, you make them worse. And therefore you're causing them to be worse and you're marshal the child to be miskatsafe love. And therefore the over av, the parent is over with naive. So he just now took this up that not only you're making a child worse, not only you're not doing making them better, but you're now, you yourself, you have an avera. Ulpa'amim, sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes, all the time. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard for the parents not to be merachik and to give yedidus and kovoy to the wayward child. <laughs> they need to know <laughs> the parents need to understand this is the only medicine. I see this black and white. Parents come to me after years of going, oy, 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 from Rav to therapist and they're trying this and send them, bring him and all of this. That's not the medicine. Zui atrufa ha'yichida yedidus and kovoit and kiruv kimoishar ha'yeladim. V'im'ir la yoysim midayin if you make things hard for him, ra'goyimim bozeh she'yizkalkal yoyser. You're only causing him to get worse. The derech is to be mekarev him. And over time there is hope. That he'll, he'll, he'll get strong and he'll come back to the tshuva. And the parent himself, you know what is kiruv and what is richuk. Write it down. You already told him, in our house you have to dress like da-da-da-da. Look at his face. Look what happened. Is it Kirov or is it Rihuk? When the kid's leaving and you say what you say, if they say F you, drop that, and they slam the door, that's Rihuk. You're making him Shinaskalkal Yoiser. You're Overlifne either. You can go with your own feelings. If you're not sure, do it and then write down and say, Oh, that didn't work. That made him worse. Try Kavoid Vyadidas. Try it. Rav Pam. The Easter of Palm, it's brought down on my Ritzedek, straight out. Shaila. Mayasu, Ahoyim, Imyelet, Begil, Aspagris. Shuhu Mayudu Masarev, Lelech, Derech, Hayosha, Binyonim, Shaliras Hashem. What should we do with this child? He's a teenager, is Mayud, rebellious, and refuses to go in the Derech, Hayosha when it comes to doing the right thing with Derech Hashem. And you know what he answered? He said, This is a Shaila that I get constantly. And this problem is found. The nicest homes, especially when a bacha reaches teenage years, 13 to 20 years old, which is a tough time in his life. And many times, it's a time of precious terachim, where he could choose to go down the wrong road. 
Some people make a bad turn. I have witnessed, I have seen, he's giving you the benefit of his experience. I've seen two approaches to this problem. From, from wonderful families. In one family, the parents lost all of their patience. We can't take it anymore. We can't deal with this. They threw him out of the house. And this did not end well at all. The child went lower and lower. The parents lost all contact with the child. Until today, he's gone. He never came back to Yadus so far. On the other side, I saw a family in a similar situation. They had patience. This family didn't show the child any hatred, any frustration. They never showed him a relationship like we're disgusted of you. Can you imagine how hard that is? The kid's off the derech, he's eating treif. What do off the derech kids do? He walks in in his jeans, with his necklace, with his piercing. All these things, they never made him feel like we're disgusted from you. They dealt with this, they treated this like you treat a passing illness. Just like, for example, Someone who is physically ill, it's very painful. You do everything that you can. You hope for good. He's calling it a machla. So too with this machla. It's taka very painful. You do everything you can. You daven, you hope for good. But what happened to these parents, these precious parents, who, who they had the savlonus? So you would think, <laughs> They're very liberal. They probably didn't care. They did care. They were just as from, as Erlich, as Yeshivish, as the other family. That's what he says. They were both Batim Niflaim. But let's look what happened to this wise, patient way. Saif Saif Hirgish Habacher Hanal Kirvala Mishpachtai. At the end of the day, after many years, he felt close to his family. He became more mature. He got older. He realized that my proper place is with this family. I want to be like them. Why wouldn't you be? If they don't turn on you and kick the bucket from under you and they don't stab you when you're struggling and you're challenged and you're... If they're there for you in your dark times, so when you get out of the darkness, why wouldn't you want to be like them? The The end of what's the end of the story? He made a turn for the good. They took him to Eretz Yisrael. He went into a specific, a certain yeshiva. amiti. He became an emestike ben Torah. They got also shidduch yafa. He did a beautiful shidduch. The hayoyim who may have not, the hayoyim who may have nei Torah achashuvim. Wow. 
Of course, you can't compare different matzovim. I know many cases like this. And the path of Savlonus wins. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to know, have an answer for everything. You just have to have patience. You don't have to be mamish like, what should I do about this? You have to have a heart. Don't hate him. Don't get frustrated. Don't look down at him. Work on yourself. Does me have Savlanos? It answers all the questions by itself. Over time, we have a winning solution. Over time, they come back. Whether it's three years, five years, ten years, it's not always up to us. But Dr. Pam, not that it was easy. No mushpacha should be tested with this problem, he says. It's very painful. It's bitter like death. When the parents see their child who could have been a precious atachshit. Now he turns away from yados. It's a bitter pill. It's hard to swallow. It's not easy, it hurts. But what do you do with the pain? What should you do? What should your reaction be? Listen to what he says. Deal with the children with patience. Don't throw him away. Don't push him away. Don't push them away and don't abandon them. Deal with him with toiv im savlonus. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable listening to Rav Palm saying straight out what to do when you see the parents in the name of Torah that are not doing this and they're suffering much more. Much more, because they take that kid who's struggling and they make them much worse. And they're so many times, so many times. And they do so in the name of the Torah. And meanwhile, it's not the Torah. Both of these families that Rapam is talking about, they both mean in the name of Torah. One in the name of Torah says, I'm disgusted from you. Hashem is on my side and I'm disgusted. And the other one in the name of Torah says, I love you and I'm patient with you. And one of them in the name of Tyrus says, Get out of here in my house. You're not going to bring in treif in my house. You're not going to bring in chametz on Pesach. And the other one says, I look at you without any frustration. Which one was really the Derech HaTayra? Which is the one who really has self-control? The next lesson is that we have to understand that these kids are not bad. The Yalkut Shemoni is fascinating. It says that when we went by Kriyas Yamsuf, we all know the story. That Hashem goes ahead and He says to the Sar of the Mayim to split the Yam and to let these go through and not not those guys. And there was a problem. There was a revolution. Shiyarit Samachman, the Sultan came for Amal and he told Hashem, "Rebayni Shalelam, le'avdu Yisrael avoid desire b'Mitzrayim ve'ata oisalehem nisim." How could you go ahead and split the Yam Suf? When they were serving idols in Mitzrayim, we know this Chazal as Halalu Oyvdei Avodah Zarah, Halalu Oyvdei Avodah Zarah. So let's imagine 
Imagine that you have President Obama, and he goes ahead and he calls the head of JFK security, and he says, listen, in an hour from now, there's a plane landing from Iran. It's called uh, Air Al-Qaeda. And there's 200 guys named Mohammed who are going to be coming through. They were all trained by ISIS. The first hundred of them, I want you to whisk them straight through security, let them right in, straight into limousines, and, and send them out to their hotel. And the other hundred, I want you to shoot them dead on the spot. So the head of security would say, Anshuldig, Obama. I mean, it's not fair. Halolu Al-Qaeda, the Halolu Al-Qaeda. Halolu ISIS, Halolu ISIS. Halolu terrorists, Halolu terrorists. How can we do such a thing? In fact, when the Tsar of Mitzrayim came to argue with Hashem, we know that the Tsar of the Mayim actually revolted and he told Hashem, I'm not doing it. I'm, he's listening to what his friend, the, the Tsar, the other angel says, and he's listening to his buddy, the angel, and he says, you know what? He's right, not you, Hashem. And everybody knows that, but not many people know the end of the Chazal. What the Yalkut Shemaini says is unbelievable. The Ebishter went ahead right away and he told him, You're such a fool, a world-class fool, idiot. You missed the whole story here. The Chiladatam of Duha. You think they had das, the chiladatam of duha? They, they meant to bow down to idols. The haliloi of duha, elumitech shibud, umitech tir of das. The ata don shegi kemezit va'inis karatzin. You shaita, you missed the last three weeks of, of the parashas ashavua. You missed 210 years of slavery. You think that the, that the b'char of the shvata, the shifte ka, uh, Ruvain, shim and levi, all of a sudden on one fine day they decided to become oivdavadazara? You missed the whole story of Paray, of the enslavement, of the Shibud, of the Avira, of the Ervis Haaretz. You missed everything. And all of a sudden you come in now, oh, blah, 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 look what they're doing. Mechal Shabbos, Shkotzim, rebels, Ozvarvs. No. There's a story here. You missed the boat. You're such a fool. You think they have Das, do Avaydu You think these kids have Das? You're a fool. There's nobody working with these kids for more than 10, 15 years, full time, that thinks that these are Rishaim, that they have das to be chaitim, machti, and that they're ra. Everybody working with the actual kids has a totally different conclusion than the rest of Klal Yisrael. Because until you go ahead and get, and get through those walls, you'll, you'll never know. They look like Rishaim. They look like they're rebels. It's, it's true. But they're not. Who's going to decide if they're Erev Rav? I heard one Rav said, Klal Yisrael always had an Erev Rav. You don't know what you're talking about. It's not that there's a, a, a machlekes here in Shita. One person spent 15 years with these kids, and the other person looks out the window, never got even close enough to smell the, the specimen that we're talking about, and he's going to paskin? Yes, you could have 99.9% in Klal Yisrael versus Mamisha minority, and the Raif could be wrong. Why? Because we're talking about people, and if you don't get to know the people, of course we, people working with these kids, see what you see. We see what you see, but we also see what you don't see, that you cannot see unless you go ahead and get to know them and believe in them. I was just listening to one of my graduations from Home Sweet Home, boy number 30, it happens to be today is three years since he graduated Home Sweet Home. 
and I listened to it. It was mamish. It's so emotional. The kid walked in four years ago from today. Mamish four years ago today. Machal Shabbos b'Ferhesia. Three years ago today, he walked out of home sweet home, out of my home for him, completely shoymitarim mitzvahs clean of all drugs. He had $19,000 in savings. And now three years later, he's still living at home. He's shoymitarim mitzvahs. He dresses Shabbos dick. He's erluch. He, he's not, did not go back to drugs or, or being a street kid. It's unbelievable. He's in Shaduchim. I'm getting phone calls. It's Mamash. If you, and, and if you would have seen this kid before he moved in, you would have said, ah, he has no hope. He has no chance. Yes, you would have said that. And you would have been right based on what you saw. He was Machal Shabbos Bifarhesia. He did punch his father in the face and break his glasses and tell him, tell his mother, I'm going to stab you. I'm going to kill you and your baby. He did go around his house and break everything. He did take an axe that his father had and then try to break down and axe his father's door to his office because he locked it. He did try to get food from the freezer that had food locked in there for Pesach. And when his father jumped in the way, he slugged him. You would have said, Ben Sayyidu Umayr. You would have said, Chayev Misa. But you would have been wrong. Because it was an actual beautiful ride that we had together. It was so pleasant when I worked with him. Mom is so pleasant. I always say that with these kids, you have to look at it as if you open up your door and you see a loose dog right in front of you. And he's going, <laughs> he's a mamish. Now, if you're going to say, get out of here, what are you doing here? And you're going to criticize it, you're going to yell at it, it's going to bite you. It's mamish dangerous. But if you machnia an v'sonuso yishil hilal, and the Ramban said, if you're machnia and you go on your hands and knees and you show the dog, I'm not a threat. I don't think you're bad. I like you. Come. Eventually, the dog is going to lose. It's not going to be in survival mode. He's going to lose his edge. He'll calm down. He'll feel more relaxed. He'll eventually put his kepi down on your lap and he'll show you where his boo-boo is. And that's what happened to the kids when I believed in them. And that's why I know what I know, because I took these kids under my wing 365, 24-7. Really, nobody else did that. There's many beautiful programs. But what we did, nobody else did. Nobody took them off the street fully without a break. You're mine. You're in my house. It was the house five minutes away from my house, but it was called Home Sweet Home. And we will dedicate ourselves to spoiling you. And yes, we had rules and people are confused. How come I could have rules and parents can't have rules? It's just amaratsisha questions. If people are not in the sugya, I can't answer all the questions, but you just need to know. If you're not in the sugya, you don't have to know everything. Not everything needs to be explained unless you're a professional. If you come and you sit down and you train, I'll explain to you exactly why Home Sweet Home had not one rule, not ten rules, a hundred rules, and why it worked, and why parents could have no rules. I'll explain to you. So we're going back over here, where it says, Shaita Shabaylam. There was a kitrig that both sides, the Egyptians and the Jewish people, were both of the Avodah Zara, and therefore they don't deserve to be saved. <laughs> to Hashem, who knows what's going on under the surface, not just the actions. 
He knows the taluma slave, what's going on in your heart. Before him it was poshit. You think it's a comparison? Ain dimyan, there's no comparison. Kikashi Yehudi when a Jew sins, liboy shaisistam, inside his heart, he's ripped to shreds. Al hisrach kusoy mehashem izbarach, virak she'ene yochel lamoid bifnei goidel hiskabras hayetzahara olav. This is how we have to look at sinners. Inside deep, on a deep, deep, deep level, they wish, I could tell you this, they mamish wish that they weren't like this. If you had a way that they could swallow a pill and wake up the next day and be different, they would all do it. Maybe they won't admit it to you because they think you're attacking them, but to me they would all admit it and they all did. But what's going on inside his internal essence? He did not sin at all. He is not a sinner. There you have it, straight out. What was the taina? You know what the answer is? But what do you mean? I see it. <laughs> what you see is the outside. I don't care about the outside. I look at the x-ray. I look at the MRI. You see a person has a bump on his head. You think he has a growth. <laughs> I don't care about what you see on the outside. I know what's going on in the inside. I have an MRI. I see the Tzibrach and I see that he he just can't right now be miskabran as Yitzhahara. And bipnimi esnafshe enoi choyte klal. Nobody gave the order. Before the, the, we, we nuke another country, the president has to give the order to nuke to, and, and to bomb another country, and then the Congress, and then the, oh, they have a whole bunch of people. Over here, that there was done without the internal, internal decision to do it. The essence of a Jew, every Jew, we're talking about the that Jew, the Jew that the angels in heaven, and Avada, all the angels that we have in Klausel, would look at these kids and they say, But no. But only God knows that. Only the Ibishta knows this. And now a beautiful Pshat, possession. The reason why Hashem did it himself is because the Malach was not capable of saving us. He couldn't tell the difference who's an Egyptian, who's a Jew. The Malach doesn't see skin. The Malach sees actions. The Malach sees what you're doing and sees, boom, I'm going to kill you. Imagine that there's Arab, Arabs, Khalila, that they go ahead and they catch a few soldiers. And then the army goes in the army goes in to rescue the soldiers. And there's civilians there. And then there's terrorists there. And you have to figure out who's the civilian, who's the captive, and who's the capture. So they go in at night. And at night, they go back to command to, to the general. And they say, we have a big problem. We're looking in the window. It's very dark. We can't shoot. We don't know who's the Arab, who's the terrorist, and we don't know who's the, who's the soldier that was captured. Says the army... In your knapsack, there's night vision goggles. And you put on these night vision goggles, and guess what? You could see in darkness. And you can see clearly who is a terrorist and who is an Israeli, who's a terrorist and who's a captive. Who is not Shuldig and who is Shuldig. Who is Oiv de Avay and who is not Oiv de Avay 
And that's exactly what the Abishta said. I have to do this job myself. I have to do it myself because only I could see. Only I could see the difference between the Oyvde Avaydazara that are really Oyvde Avaydazara, that are free, healthy Egyptians, and the sick, the sick, twisted, broken Yaakovs. Lamaisa, who was right? The angels, the Malachim, Srafim, they all really thought they were right, but it only took 49 days after our trauma was killed for Hashem to be proven correct. Only 49 days later, we were on the Nun Shari Kedusha, Kabbalah's Hatayra, Maimed Har Sinai. If only we were able to destroy the trauma and brokenness in these kids, if only. If only we were able to rescue them and to kill the molesters like Hashem did by Kriyas Yamsuf, where the tormentors, the Mitzrayim, they, Mamish, were dead. And when the Eden saw them dead, and they were able to stop running, like the Sapurna says, Ad Moison, until we saw the Egyptians dead, Hoyinu Ka'avodim Barchim, we were slaves on the run. Yes, we were free, technically we were free, but we were slaves looking over our shoulders, we were on the run. Avadim Barchim. When are they going to catch up? When are they going to enslave us again? These, this is how a lot of these kids feel. These traumatized children, they're always looking over their shoulder. When's my molester going to come? And they come into their dreams all the time. I have to always look over my shoulder. When, when am I going to see that principal who beat me up? When am I going to see this trauma or that trauma? When's they going to come back? They're so tzibrachim, they're always scared of every single thing. They don't know when they are going to go ahead and get beaten up again. So all of the sins that they did because of the pain that they went through was looked at differently. And this is really the first time I think we see so clear that Hashem looks at emotional pain. It's not black and white. I see what you did and that's it. It's over. No, I care about what your mindset is. The Efeitaya brought down in the Eitz Yosef on the side of the Medjish Tanchuma says, Ki aleikim she'irvam b'mitzrayim garam lahem me'atzmam the Ebishta knew that because they were mixed up in Mitzrayim, that's why they were Oiv not Me'atzmam. They weren't a bunch of healthy Yaakovs that were thriving and learning and steiging. And they said one day, you know what? Hmm, I have such a great idea. Let's be Oiv It's not the story. And therefore, because it wasn't their pure mindset, their full das, that was in its pure equilibrium to make mamish with a shikol hadas to make the decision because it was not like that, because it was done with mamish, their mind messed up from servitude and pain. Lochem, yirachem alehem. Therefore, that's why the Ebesh has mercy on them and cleanses them from all their averis. And the same thing from our kids. Yes, the Machal Shabbos, we see that they're hurting us, they're stealing and all of these things. We have to be smart. We know that this kid is acting out this way. There's a reason why he's stealing cars and doing drugs and all of these things. There's something going on. We have to believe in the person. And Avada the Ebishta was able to see it. And we can't always see it. That's why we have to have Emuna. Tzadikim say, just like you have to have faith in Hashem, you have to have faith in ourselves, faith in what a Yid is. Let's understand, before we judge these kids, this is talking about a chelik elika mimal. 
as the Baal said, Halavai, I would love the greatest tzaddik, like we said before, as much as the Ebesha loves the greatest Russia. And these kids come back. You know why? Because the essence is really pure and really good. That's a proof that all these kids that came back show us they were just suffering. After the Holocaust, he opened up shop, he opened up a little shul in the west side of Manhattan, and Imamish didn't even have minion. He had a few guys that were, you know, from and Erlich, and then Imamish didn't have minion. So he went out on the streets, and he used to go Friday night, he would walk out on the street, and he was trying to get people, are you Jewish, are you Jewish, we need a minion. He saw a guy walking with a white suit, with a white hat in those days, and he was walking himself, and he went over to him, can you help us out, are you Jewish? And he told him, Rabbi, get away from me. I'm not interested in these things. Shlomo realized that he was a very hurt person. Obviously, his family was killed out in the Holocaust. We should never know from such pain, and we can never judge them. But he was very charming. And he went ahead, and he won him over, and he convinced him, please, just we need you to come in now, just for one, you know, Amen Yehoshua Rabbi. And he convinced him. And the guy came in, and he started coming in more regularly, and then, he realized, Shlomo realized that he had a nice voice and he asked him if he wants to daven for the Omid and he said yes before the war. He was a Valtfila and he knew how to daven. So he got him to daven for the Omid and he was Makar of him. One sunny Shabbos afternoon, a few of the regular guys, the Frum guys, who were the core followers of Rib Shlomo at that time, they went for a walk Shabbos afternoon in the park and they saw this guy, Mamish, sitting there in the park smoking a cigarette on Shabbos. They went back to Yerushalayim and they said, we can't count him, part of a minion, Machal Shabbos Pefahesia, and he certainly can't be our Shliach Tzibur. Yerushalayim told them, he's not smoking. The Nazi inside of him is smoking. It's his pain. It's his suffering. And that's the only reason why he's acting this way. And he let him be part of the minion, and he let him be a Shliach Tzibur. This is Mam Shepsak, Allah, it's unbelievable, Psak, that a person who is in so much pain, that even though he's Mechal Shabbos, he was part of the minion, he was a Shleich Tzibur. We know, Taka, that the Divri Yoyal said that any person who survived the Holocaust, that he has the numbers on his arm, even if they're Mechal Shabbos, you can go and get a bracha from them. So I guess that they also understood that really, Be'etzim, that Tzadikim, in spite of the fact that they're not able to perform right now because of their pain, of their trauma that they went through. You know, we can never, ever compare any type of trauma. The trauma of losing your family, everybody that you ever knew. It's, it's just, it's unfathomable. It's unfathomable. It's not shaykh. There's just no, there's no number on the charts. But in the same way, we can't judge what it's like for a person who wants to die at any age. We have kids who want to die. I think once you want to die, we're entitled to give you the liberty that maybe you have a, a really good reason. So much pain. There's so much pain now. Kids who are molested as children. Kids I'm dealing with who are mamish raped as children. Boys and girls. I'm dealing with a boy now who was raped for five years, from seven to 12 years old. It just came out now. He's 25 years old. I mean, it is so much pain. Can you tell him that it's the same pain as someone who went through the Holocaust? Is it more? Is it less? I don't know. But this is a personal Holocaust. It's a personal destruction, an emotional Holocaust that we're going through of so many people that want to die. 
so many suicides and overdoses that we had last year. And so many hundreds more that it wasn't, it didn't happen, but they tried to kill themselves. And so many thousands more that don't even try, but they wish they could try. And this is what we see. That people who are suffering, it's not him, it's the Nazi inside of him, it's the molester. Rashi brings down from the Sifri, in Bamidbar, And these Nazis who, who, they were the ones smoking on Shabbos. And these people who hurt these children, they're going to go to Shemayim and they're going to say, oh, in, the, in this and this month and this and this year, we're punishing you for smoking on Shabbos b'farhesia. And the guy's going to say, what are you talking about? I never did that. I was a Malamed. I was from. How can this be? The people who hurt these people as children, which we know, we all admit, I think at this point, it's pretty universal. Anybody working with these kids knows that they're suffering from childhood trauma. Whether you think it's 80%, 70%, 60% chance, but mamish one after another, the ones who are really, really in pain, there's a reason for it. Somebody hurt them from the outside. It's not a problem that they have on the inside. Most of them were sweet and smart growing up, and something very wrong happened to them. We look at it like <laughs> they're, they're our problems, but they have such problems. This is mamish. What we're seeing is just a reaction of of the the outermost layers that are after years of pain and suffering, post traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and all kinds of anxieties. And it's mamish. A problem, and to us, if he'll if he won't, if he'll keep Shabbos, our problem is solved. But the problem's under his head, under the hood. What's going on in his brain? And therefore, we have to say, he may be sinning, but he is not a sinner. And this is the yisoid of yisoidus of the way the blick, the way that we look at these children. We see them sinning, but they're not evil. They're not bad. They're not sinners. And that determines on how you're going to actually deal with the problem. So many people are giving AIDS, but they didn't spend 10 years with the actual patients. So they look out their window and they see schlecht, rebels, and they don't care about anything, and they're, how could they do this to their parents, and as you got to meet the kids and understand that there's something happening here that nearly all the people working with the kids actually uncovered. And there's something happening over here that's different. There's another story. And that's why they could be saved. I've done this with kids individually and even with a group once of 25 kids in a room, all kips, Mechal Shabbos. And I told them, imagine if Hashem would put in your hand a contract where all of a sudden a piece of paper would appear in your hand. And all of a sudden in your other hand was a, was a pen. And it said, sign on this contract and you're guaranteed that you will not sin any more for the rest of the year until Yom Kippur. Would you sin or not? Every single one of these kids always right away said, yes, yeah, sure. I'm a, of course. What's the question? And I told them, you know what this proves? You just proved to Hashem. You just proved to the Malachim. You just proved to all your parents and Rabbeim. But most of all, you just proved to yourself. What is your essence? Your essence is you are a from Er Lechayid, the Olam of Ratzain, in the world of, of what your Ritzainis are. You are Erlich. You're the same Erlich as Rabchaim Kanievsky. 
He doesn't want to sin till Yom Kippur, and you don't want to sin till Yom Kippur. Except you're much weaker. He didn't have your life. He didn't have your pain. You're much weaker, and you can't do what you want as well as he does what he wants. You can't live your Ratzin. But in the Ilam of Ratzin, you're a Tzadik Gomor. This is Va'amech Kulam Tzadikim. So you must believe in your heart when you look at these kids, when you think about them, that they may be a lot of things. ADD, ADHD, OCD, ODD, BPD, AT&T, MP3, JFK, CPA, but they're not BAD. They're not bad. I heard with my own ears the guy Rebbe Shlita, where he said, Yei the Yid vilzan git. Every Yid wants to be good. Every means every. It means especially every. Especially these kids who are struggling and who wish and want to be what we want them to be. If we turn our backs on them in their time of need, we will cut, sever the cord and they'll never be able to be what we want them to be and what they want themselves to be. <coughs> so now the question is, no, so how could we save them? So my great-great-grandfather's nephew was called the Shemeshmiel. Einikel from the Kotzke Rebbe. He says that the Torah teaches us, When a person has rebellious and defiant. That's what we're talking about. Kids who are rebellious and defiant. That you bring him to the Rabbanim and they kill him. So why do you kill him? He didn't do anything now to deserve Misa. He didn't do, he didn't kill anybody. He's not chasing somebody with a gun. So he's not Chayv Misa. So why do you kill this kid? The Teretz is, we all know. We know the Torah is made that because at the age of 13, he did this combination of sin, he took some money, he bought some wine, he had some basar. He didn't do anything so terrible. But it's the combination that shows us that he is stuck. He's like addicted, you know. He's stuck in his mentality. And I can nishchivatin. And if I can nishchivatin, he cannot do tshuva. You're going to go ahead and he he's going to go and end up being a robber, a rober. And then he's going to end up killing somebody. So he has a din like a raidif right now. And what do you do with a raidif? You kill him. Oh, but why can't he do tshuva? There were so many big Rishayim that did Shuvah. Menashe, the king, and so many different people did Shiva. Why can't he do Shiva? The Torah says, the Torah says, you're right. Everybody could do Shiva. The worst is Shum could do Shiva. And we never kill anybody, only we judge them by Asher Husham. But not this kid. He is the one exception that he is rotten to the core. He cannot be saved. Taka, that's why Shimon Baichai says, Fine, it never happened because nobody's so rotten to the core. Doesn't matter. Lamaisa, we're talking about this kid who cannot be saved. Wow. It says in Sanhedrin Peches, Ben if you have this Ben Sayyid this one in a billion kid, the only Jewish kid in the world ever created, that can nishchivatin, and he cannot be saved. And yet, even though he's Chayav Misa, because you got to kill him, why? Because he's going to end up being a, ro- a robber, and he's going to end up murdering other people. Therefore, you got to kill him now, because he cannot do tshuva. But Mami and Tati go over to the Bezdin, and they say, listen, we forgive him. 
He gets mechila, and you don't kill him. Frekt m'shem I don't understand. As I push the kasha, I don't understand. V'yesh lahoven. Halei ein nereg amashihimer negdom. El al shem soifoy. Shesoifoy lelastem sevriyasim. Kein lomatoyil mechilusam. You're not killing him because of what he did against the parents. If you kill him because the halacha is that if a kid cuts his father's pious off, that you gotta kill him. So no, I can understand if the father wants to be Michael for cutting off my pious. Okay, so you don't kill him. But you're not killing him for what he did. He didn't do anything so terrible. You're only killing him because what he did shows us that I can nishchivatin and he will end up being a murderer and therefore you got to kill him before he kills other people. So how does it help if mommy and daddy come and say, we're Michael, you. you're letting a murderer, potential murderer, loose. So other people are going to die now because mommy says I'm Michael, you. How does this make any sense? That's the cash of the Shemeshmiel off an earth in Pashas Kiseitze. And the Shemeshmiel answers, why the chlal is there a musag of tshuva? Usually a person goes ahead, he sins, he falls away from Hashem, he's corrupted, he's broken. Why should he be able to do tshuva? Teretz is that because every yid is connected to a shalshelas hakodesh, it goes all the way up to Aramisak Yaakov, through all the diaries of Messias Nefesh. So no matter where a Jew ends up, even if he's Mamashik Afalana, he's in the worst place, but he could do tshuva because you connect it to something very powerful. So if you have a car that falls into a very, very long, deep, muddy ditch, it's lost. But if the car is connected to this 18-wheeler truck with a chain, then no matter how far the car goes, if the truck pulls starts driving the opposite direction, and the chain is pulled to the car. It's going to pull it out of the mud because the power of the tractor-trailer is stronger than any ditch, any hole, any mud in the world. So too, every yid is connected to a power of the shalshelis ha-koydish, al-adoyris, al-adoyris, and you're connected to all the way Avram and Tzagakev. Therefore, you can do tshiva. This kid, who is Sayre, is rebellious and defiant. He's not listening to his parents. So the Chibur, the connection to his parents, is Nifsak. It's ended. It's, dis- it's disconnected. And what happens if you're disconnected to your mother and your father? It's not just that you're disconnected from these two people. These two people are the connection to the Shoshelas HaKodesh. So if he's disconnected from mommy and daddy, Therefore he's not connected to the whole Shoshelas HaKodesh. How's this addict going to get out of his mess? He's such a messed up guy. He can't pull himself out, and he's not connected to a tractor trailer. He's not connected to Shoshel Sakoidish, but Vadish Shalayasa Chuva. And then what do you gotta do? You gotta kill him. Why? Because he can't do Chuva, and therefore he will be for sure a murderer. He has it in like a Raidif. But Kisha Avi However, if mommy and daddy are Michaelim, he nehu adai and nik shabish shal sakhidish. Then he's connected not just to the parents, he's connected to the whole shal shal sakhidish. Shuv enoi nerag, you don't have to kill him. Shiyachalioi shoi joshu b'chuva shlema miskabelas, because it's possible that I can shivatin with chuva shlema that will be makubal. So it's mamish incredible, the difference between having no chance to ever do tshuva, to ever straighten out, to ever become a good law-abiding citizen and an erlich or having a real solid chance to return one day, 
lies in the hands and the hearts of the parents' connection to him. These kids today who are so messed up, on their own, cannot impossible to come back to Hashem, to come back to stability, to fight their battles. Now, forget about how they got here, even though it's usually trauma and it's not their fault. Even if you find that Russia that I never met, that druggie, good, it's fine. But how do you get out of here? So many of them do. I meet kids today, 30 years old, who when they were 10, 15 years ago, selling drugs, addicted, and today they're married and they're from the Erlich. No, it's possible. How? What's the power? What gives them that inner strength? And the different, the answer is Pashit. If you're connected to your parents, you have inner strength of your parents, of your family, and of the Shoshelos HaKodesh, Bevadai Yochel You can get out of any mess in the world. But if he's disconnected from mommy and daddy and he's homeless, physically, emotionally, spiritually disconnected from the world, you just took a problem and you gave him a death sentence. You might as well kill him. The Balaturim is a Rishin. He says that there's two times in the Torah that it says the word Kishura, Gebindin, bound. One time is in Mishlei, Mishlei Mamelech is talking about a young lad, a Nar, whose foolishness is bound to him. The foolishness, the folly, the shtism, is kshura, kshira, gebindin, belev nar, in the heart of the nar. That we're talking about a kid who's not just acting out a little bit, not just a little bit for he likes to play video games. It's kshira beliboy. He's addicted. You say, stop it already. Behave in a kenished. Cut it out. Don't do drugs. Don't smoke. Don't get drunk. He can't. Ivelis kshura belev nar. There's another time it says Kshura. Avi, the Hanar, also is talking about Hanar. Einenu itanu, Kshura When the Torah is telling us about Yehuda that he told Yosef that he can't possibly leave his brother Benjamin in Mitzrayim and go back to tell his father Yaakov that the Nar is not with him. Why? Because Nafshoi of Yaakov, the soul of his father, is Gebindin to Binyamin's soul, says the Baal HaTurim, that these two times of Kishura are connected to each other, they're kosher to each other. Because the foolishness is bound to the heart of the child. That's why, Bedafka, why you must have nafshay of the child to be gebinden, <clears throat> nafshay of the father to be gebinden to the nefesh of the child in order to be mechanachim, in order to save him. When a child has foolishness bound to him, the only possible way to remove it from him is when there is an extremely close connection between the child and his parents are completely bound to him. And that is the goal, the real goal of what Twisted Parenting is all about. We are just trying to achieve v'nafshay kshura b'nafshay. And people give up the nafshay kshura b'nafshay, which is the most powerful, powerful defining factor for the future of this child who is struggling. And they give it up. 
over, and you have to this, and how can be that, and you got to this. And I agree that those are important things, but not to do kares. There's a story of the Chazanish. They wanted to throw a boy out of yeshiva because he was stealing from other Bachram. And he said, you cannot throw him out of yeshiva for this. And they said, but, but what do you mean? It's terrible Averi, stealing from other Bachram. So the Chazanish told the, 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 the Mashkiach, the Rishi, <coughs> so the, so the, so the Chazanish told them, stealing is a love. You never did a lav? You never talk Lashon Hara? You never talk Lashon Hara? You never did any lav? So Avada, stealing is terrible. It's like any other lav. It's terrible. But you don't get kares for a lav. Avada, it's terrible if a kid cannot respect the family and he doesn't put on a yarmulke. It's terrible. But kares? When the whole future of the child to pull himself out of his low matziv, spiritually and emotionally, depends on on bedavka, the connection to the parents, you're going to disconnect over a yamaka. It comes out of all of this that the parents are the respirator. This child was stabbed and has, has internal bleeding and needs many surgeries and might make it or might not make it. Has cancer and it's going to need chemo and radiation and amputations and all kinds of things that this messed up brain is going to need in order to one day be stable as an individual and as a yid. So what's the job of parents? You're the respirator. You have to make sure that you keep the child connected and stable and nothing blocks the, ste- the, the respirator and nothing ever blocks the respirator. Because if you let anything into that respirator, that little schmutz, that little disconnection is going to cause you so much more problems. And therefore you have to fight with all costs to make sure nothing is going to separate us. Dr. Stipler, that's how. We all know the famous Medrash that tells us that when Yaakov was on his way to Lavan, his nephew Eliphaz caught up with him and told him that his father Esav sent him to kill him. No, why did Eliphaz not kill Yaakov? Eliphaz was a Russia Gomor. He raped his father's wives. Because Eliphaz grew up on his grandfather Yitzchak's lap and therefore he decided not to kill him. Rav Yankov Galinsky, Zatzal, said that the stipler told him, we have over here Yitzchak Avinu, who is a tzaddik Yisrael Olam. And he's Megadol in his house, his grandson Aliphaz, a murderer, a rapist. Yitzchak Avinu was the pillar of Yira. He was referred to as Pachad Yitzchak. He was a prophet, a Navi, a Ruch HaKadosh. He knew exactly what kind of low, what kind of low life Aliphaz was. Eliphaz was rotten to the core. He slept with his father's wife. He was the father of Amalek. Kama mushkes of haya Eliphaz. The Avapi ke Yitzchak mekarvoi umegadel bechekoi. Avol him shechastaipler boyure shebekach hitzel Yitzchak as Yaakov avinu mimoves. The hitzel is kol am Yisrael. Lefishegadol Eliphaz bechekoi she Yitzchak mashach yadoi leharig as Yaakov. Look at the result. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yitzchak Avinu was doing TP, yeah, and his friends and his family, they said, what are you doing with Esau? You're not accomplishing anything. It's interesting, actually, when one of the kids had to leave because of the fighting, Yaakov was the one who left town 
not Esav. They didn't throw Esav out. Lemaise, they would say, oh, you did a terrible job. This TP doesn't work. Makarev, Makarev, what Makarev? What's Makarev? He's growing up over here. He's raising a bunch of Rishoyim, rapists, murderers. Elifaz, Elifaz. Yeah, Yitzchak, what are you doing? You're not accomplishing anything. Well, in the end of the day, because Yitzchak kept Esav close to him, in spite of, he was smoking Avodah Zarah with his shikses in the house. And he never said, no smoking in the house, get out. Because he tolerated Esav, even though he's a Navi about Ruch HaKadosh, says the stipler. But therefore, this little Rashala Eliphaz was Megadol B'chekesh Yitzchak. No, what's the end of the story? Yaakov, his son, he saved Yaakov's life. He saved Yaakov's life. If he would have thrown out Esav in order to save Yaakov's life when Esav wanted to kill him, and he would have said, Esav, get out, then at the end of the day, could be Eliphaz would have killed him. But Lamaisa, he sent away Yaakov, fine. But then Eliphaz was raised at home. <clears throat> and therefore, what happened at the end of the day? He saved his life. And when he saved Yaakov's life, he saved the whole Klal Yisrael that came out of him. There would have been no Am Yisrael at all if Yitzchak would have been told to throw Eliphaz or or uh, Esau and Eliphaz, the whole family, would to, to throw him out of the fa- out of the house. There would be no Klal Yisrael. In fact, some people say, what about Avram Avinu? Avram Avinu, Hashem said to throw out Yishmael. There's many answers. One answer, the Chazanish says, End of story. Before Matan you can't learn. It's not a Raya. But you see, it's not a Limud Ludairis, because, because then Yitzchak would have done the same thing with, with, with Esav. And he didn't. So obviously, it wasn't a Limud Ludairis. Other people say, yeah, he threw out his son, but he threw out his son with the mother. If you're going to throw out the kid and, and your wife also, Gzentahait. But Pashib Shad is that Sarah was not the mother of Yishmael. And Yishmael was only out, uh, only did a bris out, uh, Kenyan, Kenyan Beisai, but he wasn't even Zerah. The Zerah was Yaakov. And also because we knew when you look before Moshe killed the Mitzri, he made sure of Yifin Chay Vichay, he saw that there's nobody good coming out of him. So Yishmael, you can get rid of because the Abish just saw he's not going to do tshuva. And he's not going to have a future Enoch that are going to become part of Klai Yisrael, so you can, you can lose him. Only Debeshti could decide that. Avram Avinu didn't want to give up on him. In fact, it says that after he threw him away, Avram Avinu, after Sarah died, went looking for him. And, and the Tana de Be'eliel talks about that. He kept on looking for Yishmael. And because of that connection, that's why Taki Yishmael did Shuva. So even though he had a horrible life of sin, but since he died, for thousands of years, he's in Olam Haba. Yishmael did Shuva, and Avram saved Yishmael's soul for, for eternity from Gehenim. He, he saved him. Why? With his love. And I thought of another pshat also, that it says that by Avram Avinu, he fulfilled every mitzvah. How did he do every mitzvah? Because his Avram automatically knew were margish what Hashem wanted from him. It's amazing. All of a sudden, it came September 27th, and he decided to, to take a branch and a, and a funny-looking lemon and to shake it. And he sat in a hut, and he decided to eat certain bread. He did all the mitzvahs, because his... That's That's how he knew it. He didn't know. Hashem didn't have to tell him to do a mitzvah. He knew He knew what, what Hashem wanted from him. His avarim knew. So whatever he did, he knew was... So how could it be? That somebody, a person, who was able to be Mekayim Kala without telling him what to do, because he was so in tune with the Ratzon Hashem. How could it be that he got this wrong? That he felt that Yishmael should stay home, and really Yishmael was supposed to go. 
if the derech atoyer is really to throw out your kid, so why wasn't Avraham Avinu margish that? And Teretz, I think, is very poshit. The derech atoyer is not to throw out your kid. This was a one-time situation because of many reasons that Hashem had to tell him, do the opposite of what all of your internal organs are telling you to do. That all of the knowledge that you have of Torah says, keep the kid home, and all of your feelings of the Ratz Hashem is one thing. In this case, Shema Bekoila, because he wasn't a Yid, it wasn't after Matan Torah, because um, he threw out the wife also, and it wasn't the same mother. Whatever reason Hashem's Cheshben was. But without the Tzivui from Hashem, we see that you cannot throw out a child. And if you're really in tune with the Ratz Hashem, you never say that a family should lose a child. I hear so many, sometimes even Rabbanim, listen to the top Rabbanim, listen to the Zakenim. none of them ever say it. They fight for every single soul. I was just on the phone with somebody about 60 years old, a very popular speaker, a big Talmud Chacham, about a kid that's homeless. He says, no, no, he doesn't care. He will go to sleep tonight knowing that there's one less Jewish kid in Klal Yisrael. If the kid gets hit by a truck, no, no. Tzadikim didn't do that. Tzadikim fought for every soul. Tzadikim said, we will find a way to save every neshama. Every single neshama is tired. And yet we find people, no, that's what else Yeah, listen, if they're making these choices and they don't want to be a part of Klai Yisrael, then let them go. Let's see. Yeah, you'll have nine other kids. There's a father that told, a father told one of the parents by me, he said, look, I have 11 kids. So I'll have 10. No, no. Make believe I only had 10. It goes against everything we believe in. So what is the job of parents? You are the respirator. You need to unleash the nuclear power of parents' love, acceptance, and admiration, which secretly and quietly influences the child deep inside his mindset. When the parents have a child who has 102 fever, when you do this, then the fever goes down. It's not about right now, you're going to give in to him. Everything's okay. It's about so a year from now, he's behaving better. If you're going to fight him now, you're going to lose the battle now, and you're going to lose the war in a year from now. But if you go ahead and you give in and you give him the medicine, the medicine of the love, acceptance, and admiration, it secretly and quietly influences the child's deep mind, inside deep his mindset. You, it won't come out that you have to fight with him. Somebody told me, oh, Avi, you mean if the boy brings a girl and, he, and he's, he's doing things with her on the Shabbos table, you're going to say it's all okay? The, the parents and the family should clap? Chacham. Our parents don't, don't suffer with that because we have no rebels. Because when you support them and you love them and you accept them and you admire them, they're not doing those things. Not one time did that ever happen to any of my parents. Not one time did the parents get frustrated and have to call Shomrim, Hatzalah, police, nothing. Why? Because that doesn't happen with our kids. That happens with kids who you're in a fight, in a war with, who you look at with disgust and they want to show you. So you try to fight with them and you throw them out and they break the door and then you call Shomrim and then in the middle of the night, domestic violence. We don't have any of that. The parents who do TP are not shmatas. They're malachim. People think that, oh, you're going to give in to him, you're going to be a shmata. Oh, you give him a finger, he'll take a hand. You don't negotiate with terrorists, you're right. If these kids were named Yishmael and they're terrorists from ISIS, Yitaka don't negotiate with them. These are not terrorists. These are Erlich Yiddish 
That's the difference. People don't understand what you're dealing with. Because when you look out the window and you don't work with them and live with them, they look bad. They look like terrorists. I agree. You got to get closer. Vayar. You have to get closer and see again. A double Lashon of Ria. You have to really be able to see what we're dealing with. And you see that these are good kids. So the parents who tolerate and support these kids in their dark years, temporarily, they're not shmatas, They're angels. It says the Nesiva Shulam. Beautiful. When they told Yaakov, give up on your son. You have one kid less. They brought everybody. Look at your beautiful family. No, you had 12. Now you have 11. What's the Torah approach? He refused to be consoled. The next parasha, it says, Yosef is mamish in the worst possible. Medrash says the Nisayan was too great for him, it was stronger than him. Says the Nisiva Shulam, these two Vayyamains are connected that because he had a father, he had a father that refused to give up on his child. That's why he had the power to refuse the Nisayan. The connection had to be Tomid consistently connected in, in the oilam of, of connection. They weren't physically near each other. It was also that the feeling of the child should be like, oh, my father doesn't care about me. My father's not there for me. And that's what it says. Yosef was all alone in Mitzrayim. It was supernatural. It was above his natural ability to fight. This kid was in a massive that there was no possible way to be saved. What happened? He saw his father. He saw Vayamayim. I'm never going to give up on you. I don't care how many people tell me to throw you out. I don't care how many people tell you you're a piece of garbage. I got today, right now today, a picture sent to me by one of the parents who came to me four years ago. Four years ago, this family was advised by everybody to throw the kid out into the street. He was beating up his family. He was violent. He was taking things that break and throwing them across the room, Badafka, on a consistent basis. He took his mother, beat her up. She showed me black and blue marks. He threw her on the floor and kicked her, and nobody knew what to do. They tried everything. And he sent me a picture today, four years of TP. The boy put on a Bekashe Fiyantif, completely Shemitaramitsis. Hasn't been violent in three and a half years. He's Lechtig. He's working full-time. He's home. He gets along with his parents. He's a source of pride and joy. And he tells me, the caption of the picture, he tells me, this is the kid that they told me to throw out. People are advising to throw out because they don't know how to de-escalate the situation. And they say, oh, you can't go ahead and give in. You can't, you can't, you can't. And they're losing children. 
they're losing the shamas forever. What a din v'cheshman you're going to have to give because you're not comfortable to buy him a television or to buy him what he needs in this few months to calm the kid down and therefore you're losing a child. I'm talking about death. I'm talking about kares. I'm talking about deris. She is kasha im avi v'shuv yachid. How did he get out of it? So imagine if you're walking outside and there's a 300-pound guy there with a knife and he's going to fight you. You're going to lose. But me and you together, two against one, we can win. Says the Nisi Vishalom. The Hiskashrosim Aviv made it that he's not alone anymore. When you feel that you're alone in the world, you can't even begin to get out of this mess of drugs and Chil Shabbos and Taiva and girls all around you. How are you supposed to get out of this mess? It's too great for these kids. They can't beat these addictions. They can't beat the Taiva all around them once they break out of the yeshiva system and they're on the street. How are you supposed to get out of this mess? But when you're connected to your father and your mother, it becomes a two against one. And not only one, not and not only two against one, but when you have a mother and a father, it becomes a three against one. And that's what the parents have to tell the child. You're not alone. I don't know how to help you, but I'm never going to leave you. I don't care where you're going. I don't care where you end up. I will never leave you. And the child says, wow, my father is never going to leave me, no matter where I go. Maybe it's true that Pasuk, Ani Hashem, Hashoichin Itam, Masam, maybe Avinu Avarachman also doesn't abandon me. But if my flesh and blood father abandons me, I can't look at you. You can't come in here. Just today I was on the phone with a father and he said, my son cannot come home the way he is. I have other children at home. And this kid who I know, who's a cute Zizkite, I told the father, I'm looking at a Holocaust. What did this kid do in a previous lifetime that he was forced to come down in this Gilgal to be a 16-year-old homeless kid? He's a Zizkite. He's Im Shildig. Things happened to him. He's a sweetheart and now he's eating dirt and he's homeless because he can't sushtel to the family for good reason. If you would get off the high horse of expecting him to tzushtel, I can promise you and I can sign it in blood five years from now. It'll be less, but you'll just give me five years. You'll see what nachas you have from him. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. I'm maftiach to him. But no. I have other children. I don't want this in my house. I can't. He's failing his nisayin as a father. Hashem gave him this child that has special needs. That he can save Burr, no Shiloh. And every Dastar in the world would tell him that. He knows better. He knows better. You know why? It's too hard. I understand that. It's so hard, it's so painful. I know. But to do the wrong thing, to go to the hospital and say, it's so hard for me to look at my sick child, so I'm going to pull the respirator out. I can't be here for Yontif. Like, how can I go to the hospital and spend sukkahs in the hospital? I have 25 kids at home waiting for me. And, and uh, so I gotta, I tell the, the, the doctor, do not resuscitate. It ever happened? A Yiddish person would do that? We have to be there for them. And that's what saves them. I'm going to tell you a true story. Every word is true. This son, this boy, Nebuch went through geferlich, geferlich trauma. I don't want to talk about what it was. Whatever you're thinking, it was worse. And now at 16 years old, he tried to kill himself several times before, but now he made up on this day that that's it, I'm done. 
And he went on Facebook and he said goodbye to the world, which is a very bad sign. And he had about 40 pills. He had a cup of water and he filled up the cup of water and he started to take his pills. One, two, three, four, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen pills. And the first miracle was that he ran out of water. So he's in the middle of killing himself, he ran out of water. So he went to go fill up his cup with water. Miracle number two, for some reason he took his phone with him. Why do you take your phone in the middle of killing yourself? What are you worried? You're going to miss a phone call? You're going to miss a text? Why would you do that? It's miracle number two. He filled up the cup of water to be able to finish the job. And all of a sudden, miracle number three. Because he said goodbye on Facebook to the world, people started getting frantic, his friends. And they started calling the family. Where is he? You got to find, got to find him, and you got to, you got to reach him. Out. And somebody called the father, and then the father heard about it. So the father immediately called his son. And right now, his son has the cup of water, enough to finish another fifteen, twenty pills and kill himself. And he gets a phone call from Tati, and the father had a picture of him hugging his kid because he's a TP father, even though he's super Hasidish, and a chashava. A relative of a son-in-law of a big rav and all of that. So he had a picture of him hugging his kid and the kid put that as his caller ID picture on his phone. So the father called right then and a picture on his phone that miraculously that Hashem gave that he's holding the phone and right then the father comes and he sees a picture of his father hugging him with a big smile. The most yukna shall aviv in this generation. And the kid said, I can't do this to him. I can't kill myself. I know he'll never get over it. And he called Hatzalah to come get him and to pump his stomach. And that child, now it's two years later and he's alive today. Because when he saw his father, he saw a man who would not get over burying his son. If he would have seen a picture of his father and he would have thought, let me do this guy a favor. They're better off without me. How many kids from the parents who came to me told their parents, you'd be better off without me. You'd be much better off if I was never born. Shomrim called me approximately 10 years ago to a house in Flatbush. And the boy there who was 14 years old, he broke all the pictures and frames in the house and he ripped out his face out of every family portrait. And he told them, you're better off if I was dead. Baruch Hashem, that kid ended up two, three years later, ended up coming to Home Sweet Home. He was one of my last boys, and he stayed by me for a year, and he left completely clean, and Shemitah Mitzvah, and I actually moved him into his parents' house, where he's there now, two years, living at home, without violence. There was tremendous violence before he came to me. Baruch Hashem, I helped him, and I also trained the parents on what to do, and he's Erlich, and he's from, and he's in Shaduchim now. If you're looking for a nice boy, if you know a nice girl... He wears a hat and jacket on Shabbos. He works. He's a finer, finer bacher. And this is the char- the <clears throat> and this is the cherry on top. The cherry on top is that we know that the Vilna Goyen says that the trap of Ayimoin. <clears throat> and this is the cherry on top. We know that the Vilna Goyen says that the trap is not just a tune, but it's also pshat. Vayimoin. What's the trap of Ayimoin? Is shalshelis. And Efshe, that's pshat. 
in the, this is the Shashelas HaKodesh of the Shemesh Mil. Vayimain, Yosef refused, but how? How could you refuse something greater than you, stronger than you? The Teretz is, Vayimain. He attached himself to the Shashelas HaKodesh to Yaakov. Who he saw the Dumasdukhnishal Shal Yaakov, and he, he saw the Dumasdukh Yaakov, and then he attached himself to Yitzchak and he attached himself to Avramavinu. When you're attached to your father, you're attached to Shashal Sakhidish, you can get out of any mess in the world. And that's Vayimoin with the Shashalas. <coughs> Avada parents feel like separating from their child. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu felt like after the eagle. So it says, Udvar Hashem HaMoshe, Sheyoshev HaLamachna. Omoloi. Avada parents feel like separating from the child. After the eagle, what could be worse than the eagle? Moshe Rabbeinu, our leader, separated. He picked up his tent and he moved away and he got out of town. And he said, I'm done with you. That's it. He moved out. So that, that would seem like a pretty good thing to do. It says Hashem, Udvar Hashem al-Moshe, Sheyoshev al-Amachna. Hashem says, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. You go back to your kid. You go back to your Klal Yisrael. Omer, loy Hashem says, Ani bakas, ve'ato bakas, imkein mi yakarvam. I'm already angry at them. Yeah, so you're also going to be angry at them. So if so, who's going to be makarv them? These kids have enough problems with Hashem, Torah, community, yeshiva, functioning, a wall of regular life. And they feel totally abandoned. And if you're also going to abandon them, who on earth is supposed to be of these kids? They're suffering so much. We need the people in the community to hug them. We need their abanim. We need the tzaddikim to give them a hug, as we'll see later. But that's your job, your tafkid. Because we all know that the highest level of tshuva is tshuva me'ahava. Tshuva done out of love. My dear, my dear son, Svi, he said that when you do twisted parenting, your child will end up doing tshuva, your child will end up doing tshuva, may ahava, from your love. Your love can create that the child should do tshuva. And I saw this b'chush. A boy moved into home sweet home, and he told me he was 22 years old. He said, since my bar mitzvah, nine years, I never fasted Jim Kipper. I'm off the derech for nine years. And I don't want to say where he was from, from his extreme Hasidish family. His grandfather is one of the Ene Zikne Hadar, according to everybody. And here's this boy who grew up in this very Hasidish village and tells me, nine years, I'm breaking Jim Kipper. He moved into home sweet home. Mechal, everything. And I arranged for him to go meet his Zaydi the day before Erev Rosh Hashanah. I drove from Flatbush to Barapak. As soon as I got into Barapak, I crossed over the, the Grainitz by McDonald Avenue. Right away, there were two chassidim walking, and he stiffened up. I, I hate those guys. He was raised in a chassidish family, so obviously somebody who looks like that must have hurt him very bad. Because here you have a kid who's about six foot two, who weighs about 250 pounds, a solid, strong boy, who's so strong that he ended up in the Israeli army. And, no, that's very strong. And he's saying, oh, he's tittering. I hate those chassidim. And then he starts talking to me. You know, I really respect my grandfather, my zaidi. 
calls him Zaidi, and my Bubby. It's amazing how they lose their whole Chesidah Shesprach. Zaidi, Bubby, he asked me, this guy asked me, when are the high holidays? I looked at him, Dishai Gats, high holidays. Yom Yom Nairam. They change Mamash everything, like, like they come out of a fog, like they were born in Alabama. So he starts saying, I really respect my Zaidi, and my Bubby, you know, Grandma, but I don't understand. Who doesn't hug their grandchildren? You know, they, I go there, and they wave to me. They, they don't hug not my Zadie, not my Bubby. I never heard of such a thing. I said, really? Interesting. Anyway, here's this tough, tough guy talking about hugs. I brought him into his Zadie. And his Zadie was very mechabed me. Him, he sat me down. After two minutes, I got up. I said, I have to leave to a doctor's appointment. I'll be back in an hour. I don't think the Zadie was expecting to spend an hour with this grandchild. But I left. I got into the car. Right away, I called up this kid's mother. She picked up on the first ring. It's unbelievable. And I said, hi, how are you? He's doing good, Rosh Hashem. I'm just, he was telling me about hugging. You don't hug your kids? And she goes, well, by us, you know, the women don't hug the boys. So I never hugged him. But by us, even my husband doesn't really, above uh, 13, doesn't hug the boys. But my husband actually did do it once, even Berabim, when he came home from Israel, from the army with a ponytail. And he did hug him in the airport once. But really, we don't hug. I said, okay, what about your father-in-law, the tzaddik? She says, well, you have to ask him about that. I said, okay. After an hour, I walked in, and I couldn't let the kid know that I wanted to tell something to the grandfather because then he would know that whatever the grandfather does is because I told him something. So I was a little uncomfortable. I waved to him like, like, you know, I need to speak to you when the kid wasn't looking. Okay, so they got up. The kid went to the kitchen, and the old man, the tzaddik, started walking towards me. We only had about five seconds because the kid was just going to get some cookies from his grandmother and wave goodbye as usual and then turn to walk down the hall. So we mamish only had a few seconds and I just told him, He's he's, he's longing for a hug. And, and this is mamish amazing because the kid was right there and he turned around slow. He was very shaky and very weak. And he started reaching up to this tall, tall kid. And the kid's like, what do you want from me? Like pulling away. And he reaches up. He pulled the kid's head down slowly and he gave him a kiss on the cheek. I made believe like I didn't see. I walked outside and I get into my car. This kid comes into my car. He sits down next to me and he's freaking out. I can't believe it. I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I said, what? What happened? I can't believe My Zadie, he, he hugged me. My, my Zadie, he kissed me. I said, really? I thought you said he doesn't do that. I know he never did it before. And he was freaking out for five minutes while I started leaving Bar Park, driving towards Flatbush. Until I got to Ocean Parkway, he was freaking out. Over, I can't believe it. I don't understand what happened. He never did that before. Wow, unbelievable. I'm like, wow, okay, very interesting. And all of a sudden, still, it's quiet. For 10 minutes, he's sitting in my car, quiet. And I'm driving to, to back, to bring him back to home sweet home on PN 16th. And on Ocean Parkway by a red light, he turns to me and he says, Avi, what do you think? Maybe I should start keeping Shabbos. <gasps> Nine years of everything. He says, maybe I should start keeping Shabbos. Now, this was really in my early years. I didn't know exactly what to say, but Hashem gave me Siata Deshmaya and I told him, I can't tell you what to do, but I think if your neshama is telling you something, maybe you should listen. He kept two days Rosh Hashanah. He kept Shabbat Shuvah. He kept him Kippur. He fasted Jim Kippur. I was there by Neil. I saw him weeping with tears 
Trerin, Haise Trerin, going down his cheeks by Nila. He kept Shabbos again. He kept the first two days of Sukkot. He kept Shabbos Chalamoid. He kept Shemini Atzeres, and he kept Simchas Torah, and I gave him an Aliyah in Shul, and he was Mamish Shemitayra Mitzvah. Because of a hug and a kiss from his Zaydi. And then he fell back again. I didn't realize that the hug only lasts a month. And I should have gotten him another hug. And I should have gotten him a monthly hug. Or a weekly hug. I was still putting this together. This is a long time ago, about 15 years ago. But Lamaisa, because he had that inspiration, he got back up on his horse. He got back into it. And a couple of months later, he became Shemitah Mitzvah. He got married to an Erlich girl. He went there to Israel and he learned in Kail, and he's Erlich from Adayamaza. A hug from Azadi. Can you imagine what would have happened if he got a hug from his father? So, how can we connect to these kids? It's the story of the Divra Yoel's Chesyugunalani. It's brought down in Purity of Speech, page 121. During the war years, when Poland was one of the first countries to be overcome by the Nazis in Marshimam, there were some Yidin that managed to escape Hungary and other countries that were not yet invaded. In Hungary, the Satmar Rebbe selflessly sustained these refugees with shelter, food, and moral support. Once a Chassid approached the Rebbe and explained, <clears throat> once a Chassid approached, once a Chassid approached the Rebbe and exclaimed, I saw those refugees smoking and being over other Isurim on the Holy Shabbos, on Shabbos Kodesh. The Rebbe responded, these refugees are so broken in spirit. Some have lost their whole families. They are in the category of chaylem, sick people, and thus they cannot truly be judged for their actions. And Hashem, after they recover, we will work on bringing them back to Yiddishkeit. <coughs> the Rebbe knew that it wasn't appropriate right now, in their state of brokenness, to talk to them about Yiddishkeit, to chas and give them muster, or to deal with it at all. Right now, the tzibrachen, it's not appropriate. So if the child that we're talking about now has a psak from Dastayu that he's begetter, then shouldn't the same thing apply? We know that these kids in pain are so broken in spirit, some have lost their whole families, just like the ones in the Holocaust. They are in the category of chaylem. Of course you need an individual psak from a rav. We're talking about once you have a psak. Thus, they cannot truly be judged for their actions. In Hashem, after they recover, we will work on bringing them back to Yiddishkeit, as we have seen hundreds of times. The same sack that the Rebbe said for survivors of the Holocaust, of course we can't compare, but he taught us. He, he showed us. How do you deal with someone's Sabrach and you tell them off? You look down at them. You say, Where does that come from? Right now, they can't be judged. They're chaylim. Who are we to decide? Who are we to judge? We have a chiyav al-tadin as-chavercha ad and the Svasema says you'll never reach anybody else's makim, so you can never judge anybody. We have a chiyav even more than al-tadin. We have a chiyav havidon as kal ha-adam l'kavzchos. Kal ha-adam. Yeah, even these kids. And the Svasema says it should say havidon kal adam. Why does it say as kal ha-adam? Teretz says you shouldn't judge anybody. But if you're going to judge somebody, and you'll see if you start from when he's born, his midis, and everything that happened to him, and all his pain, and you go through, you really, you'll see it'll be 
I don't say don't judge. I say if you want to judge, then judge correctly. Don't judge what you see without your understanding of what you're even looking at. Of course you should never judge anybody. If you judge, to judge wrong, that's mamish horrible. To judge uh, Paskin in Kares, they wanted to throw a kid out of yeshiva. The Chazanish said, absolutely not. He said, what do you mean? He's Michal Shabbos. He said, okay, could be. But for killing somebody physically, you need a bezdin of Chav Gimel. And for spiritually also, you need even more than Chav Gimel. And the Rebbe told him, but I can't teach with him. I can't deal with this. It's either him or me. He said, I'm not, the Chazanish told him, I'm not saying you're wrong. You just need 22 other people to agree before you do kares. And we don't have 22 other people. And this was the, the yeshiva of the Chazanish's yeshiva. This is Gedrik. It's brought down in my sish. So the Rebbe said, okay, so I quit. Chazanish said, I am a yachid mumcha. So if you want to quit, go ahead, quit. And the next day, they had no Rosh Hashiva, and the Chazanish went into the Shir, and he took over. After a couple of weeks, that person, that Rebbe, realized he's not getting anywhere, and he came back and he taught. Chazanish said, what do you mean? What are we, varfing our kinder over here? Somebody was in a certain city, I don't want to even say where, and he was talking to somebody, and then a couple of these kids, Nebuch, these 15-year-old kids, came skateboarding by, and, they, and the guy looks at them, and he tells my friend, we got to get rid of the garbage in this town. Shem Yerachim, that guy is off the derech. He was a yeshivish, a very from, a big asking, off the derech. How come nobody was mechanachim, as a We got to get the garbage out of town. It says in the Siva Shalom, what should you do? He explains mamish what we should do. Why aren't we teaching this to the Klaal? When you notice signs of spiritual shchisus, corruption, in a child, heaven forbid, you must exercise self-control. You must exercise self-control. And arouse, and awaken to him, arouse within yourself. Unlimited, endless love and empathy, compassion. Even more than you exhibited him until now towards this kid. What do we say? You got to get a hold of the kid. You got to control the kid. Siva Shalom says you don't need the kid. Get, get control of yourself. You don't need the kid for that. You sit in your bedroom, you sit on your bed, sit in a chair. And start thinking about this kid. Remember him by his upsharon. How cute he was by his chemish sida. Remember him by his bar mitzvah. Look at pictures. Awaken within your heart. That's the medicine. He doesn't say give rules and boundaries and consequences. Where is this coming from? It's coming from the goyim. It's a Mayudika story of Bianca Lipshevarsk. And a family came to him and they said, Our son is mamish. Mechal everything. And the Rebbe told him, do you give him love? Do you give him money? And they said, Rebbe, we give him more love and more money than we could even afford. And you know how he repaid us? He brought home a shiksa into our house. So the Rebbe told them, Mzaltum gave him mer liebe and mer geld. 
The boy ended up coming back. He built a chesidisha family, and his daughter today is a teacher in Satmer. That's the only medicine. Merlibe, Mergelt. It doesn't work, then Merlibe and Mergelt. He didn't say you have to have rules in your house. He didn't say have my rose marathon. He didn't say, oh, you can't bring your shiks in the house. But he it was very focused. Chemo for the cancer is love. Stein Archaim Akudish. The Archaim Kudish says, I don't understand. Vayigashel of Yehuda. Yehuda approached Yosef. Until now, Yehuda was talking directly to Yosef. So what changed all of a sudden? Vayigash. He says, Moiridik. The Archaim Akudish explains, Yehuda did not physically move closer to Yosef. Rather, he moved himself closer to Yosef mentally and emotionally. He knew he was stuck over here. He saw, uh, he thought he was this uh, Rusha. So what are we going to do to him? He said, you know what? I have an idea. I'm going to show him so much love that he's going to be forced to love me. If he loves me, maybe he's going to let us go. Wow. Yosef decided to utilize the only way to possibly change this Yosef, this Paro's, the assistant, hard heart to become merciful. You know how? He moved his thoughts and his tastes. He moved his own rutsen towards what Yosef likes, what he thought that this Yosef Shegetz would like and dislike in order to love him and cherish him. So Yosef's heart will be forced to melt and love and cherish him, and then he'll let them go. This wasn't easy. How could a biggest tzaddik in the world all of a sudden make believe like he really enjoys, oh yeah, really like that movie and come, let's go to McDonald's and, and really pull it off that he should, he couldn't fake this. Kamayim apanim lapanim can't be faked. This was nothing that, that was, it wasn't about what he did. It's about what he was feeling, what he was thinking. He internally worked on himself to really change his internal das and ratzin to, to love what this guy loves and lechavavoy to be macro to bring himself closer. It wasn't easy since the natural feeling of the holy, spiritually pure child of Yaakov Avinu was to be completely disgusted by lowly idol worshippers. But in order to achieve his goal, he needed to temporarily twist his inborn pure nature and approach Yosef Vayigash, a love, with his heart. Yehuda understood that he won't be successful to reach out to Yosef's heart in order to effect change if he didn't first twist his own heart to truly care about Yosef and the things that Yosef cares about. So Yehuda made a very radical decision to, to move closer to him, Vayigash Elov, with his mind and his spirit to the lowly idol worshiper in order to bring himself to truly internally love and accept Yosef deep in his heart. Yehuda knew that the only chance that he could influence Yosef was by internally liking him. And then automatically, just as water shows you reflection, 
so too Yehuda's heart will be forced to reflect his internal feelings of love and friendship deep, deep, deep in Yosef's heart. As hard as this was to become close to someone so full of spiritual filth contamination, to tolerate an Oyvid Avedazara, a lowly Egyptian sinner, and to go undercover Mamish, Yehuda found the inner self-control to force himself, to force his own heart to actually care about and internally like this disgusting sinner in order to create influence within that sinner's heart so he can care about him as well and save him. What a deep lesson. If you want to influence someone and change their negative attitude, you don't need to argue with them. There's another way. There's a better way. A love you can do this by using the nuclear power, which is not just a flowery saying that sounds so beautiful. It's a fact. It's part of the nature, Teva, the creation of the world created by Hashem. And therefore, when we're dealing with these kids, don't just use your mind, use your heart. Do you know? How many parents came to me with kids that were atheists? I would say at least 50. The kids are atheists. And it's mamish amazing because I just chapped. Why do they say, why do they become atheists? They have kashas. Okay, what are the questions? They all have the same questions. First of all, there's 4,200 religions. Everyone says that they're right. So, Mechitei, so you're right. The only difference between me and you is 4,001, is, is, uh, the, <clears throat> the only difference between me and you is one religion. You say 4,199 religions are fake, and I say one more is also fake. That's all. Uh, how could it be that Hashem told uh, Shaul to, to murder innocent women and children of Amalek? How could it be all these questions? How did Hashem do a holocaust? He killed babies. The Teichacha. It's all, all the same questions. But you know what I chapped? Probably I have... I think around 50 of them that today are Shemitarim. It's just because the parents came to me. I never meet the kids. The parents came to me to do twisted parenting. And I don't think one of them who are from today ever got an answer to any of their questions. Pile Plaim. They went off the derech because of questions. So now why are they on the derech? What happened to the questions? The is. <coughs> They're not off the derech because of the questions. And they don't come on because they got answers. So you got to deal with the real problem. It's not the intellect. It's not what's going on in the mind. Everybody knows it's the opposite way. First, the ayin roya, and then leiv chaymid. So it should say, Why does it say first, Because you see and you interpret the world based on where your heart is. If you believe in Hashem and you're invested, emotionally invested in loving Hashem, then everything you see will be positive towards that. But if you're fadarb and you're corrupt, your heart is broken. Then everything you see is going to be akasha and it doesn't make sense. And everything you see is going to be broken. We have to heal the part that's broken. That's why it's very interesting because the parents consistently, what do you do if a kid is challenging you? You answer him and then you bring him to Esha Torah and you bring him to all these guys, all these Kirov guys. And it's amazing. I get all the parents that say, it's amazing. They couldn't help my kid. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. They can debate 5,000 professors from Harvard who are geniuses and they can win. And you think they can't win this 15-year-old little kid from Barra Park who never took one course or didn't think about evolution or any of these subjects for more than five minutes? Why can't he beat him? You know why he can't beat him? 
Because if you're talking to someone who is not, Levavchem is not broken, they're not anti, they're not sabrachim, they're not suffering. If you want to speak to a stable person who can be open-minded, you can win him. But these kids, they don't have a problem with their mind. They have a problem because they're hurting. Most of them were molested. Most of them are suffering. And you're going to go talk to them, God, no God, that's not the problem. Heal the heart. Don't use your mind with these kids, use your heart. The more that you talk to them, the more they build up walls and shittas, and it makes it harder for them to ever come back. In Twisted Parenting, we tell, we, we've, we've won so many atheists, and we don't have one, we, we win the battle without firing one bullet. We don't discuss it. The parents tell the child, I understand, you're not from, there's no, I got you. You're my child, let's go have fun. It's the influence, the connection to be makav, to be, to be makarav, it's, it, that's what does it. When you sit and think positive, loving thoughts about someone, even if they are not near you, and even if they don't even know that you're sitting alone somewhere in your room thinking positive thoughts, you can melt their hard negative heart and influence them to see things your way and to care about the things that you care about. Yehuda didn't move physically closer to Yosef. He could have been 6,000 miles away. Yehuda brought his mind. He brought his mind close to Yosef's thinking to look at the world the same way. You like Trump, I like Trump. You like the Yankees, I like the Yankees. You have to have connection, connectivity, things that are connecting you to like the same things, to think similar. He lowered himself into the Mamish Oivde Avaydazara zone. He took away all the Kedusha. He looked at the world the way this, 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 what he thought was a Shegetz is looking at the word to find commonality, to form a bond that happens naturally when two people are naturally similar and they feel the same way about things. You like each other. If I meet somebody and everything I say, he thinks the opposite, I don't enjoy spending time with him. I don't want to debate everything my whole life. But I meet somebody, I like Nesiva Shalom. He likes Nesiva Shalom. I like this. He likes that. We're similar. It's Kishmak to spend time with them. You want to bond with someone who it's natural. What makes it natural? We feel the same way. Yehuda forced Yosef Atzadik to feel so comfortable with him, as if Yehuda always liked these same things that Yosef liked. Oh, I love idols. I love idol worship. And I love going to the movies. Oh, it's great. As if Mamish Yosef had to feel more comfortable with Yehuda than anybody else. And, and, and to be convinced as if Yehuda really looked up to those people that Yosef looked up to. Can you imagine the extremes here? The holiness, the Kedisha of Yehuda twisting all the way down to become close to the mind of a lowly If Yehuda HaTzadik can do that, certainly we can lower ourselves to connect with our Yiddish HaKendalach. The gap by us is not so far like by Yehuda to Oivet HaVadizara. The gap is much, much closer. Avada is hard. But there are lives on the line and we need to make it work. Yehuda understood we're going to die here. He's going to take away Binyamin. My father's going to have a heart attack. This is important. So he did it because it's important. And we need to do this because it's important. We need to go out to these kids and show them commonality. Not looking at him with a krima oiden and with the nose and doesn't accomplish what we want to accomplish. The only way is to show them, come, chapa, chill, maybe take a cigarette with them, put your arm around them, stop judging them, because then they're not going to feel comfortable with you. If Yehuda can do it to Yosef, who he thought was Oivet Avodah how could we not do it to these Yiddish Elch, Yiddish Kindelach? I want to say even more than that, that of all the Shvatim, why Dafka Yehuda? 
Why did Yehuda have to use this tool? If the tool was to move your mind to be close to the Oyvid Avedazar, so he'll like it, Kamayim upon him, upon him, why did it have to be Yehuda? Any one of the Shvatim could have done it. I was thinking that Yehuda was mighty. But he wasn't just mighty. He wasn't just a king physically. The king of the, of the, the lion is the king of all animals. He's not just, sm- he's not just strong. The lion is the king of all the animals. He's not just strong. You gotta be smart also. The pshat over here was that Yehuda had to be the only one of the Shvatim who could do this because it took such internal strength. It took such gvura that only Yehuda the Gibar was able to do that. All the other Shvatim said, Ugh, feh, I can't look at him. I can't kick him. I can't do this. I can't do this. Imagine, imagine a big, big tzaddik. Imagine Chaim Kanievsky that there's somebody who's going to die. There's an Arab that took away a hostage. And the only way that he's going to get this from person to not be executed by ISIS is if he puts his arm around the Arab murderer, Arafat, and he makes him feel like, yeah, you and me. Would Rebchaim Kanievsky be able to do that? To put your arm around him and, <laughs> and laugh with him and go out for a cigarette with him and talk about the shtusim and to make him feel like, Mamish, I'm one, I'm like you. We understand each other. How many G'daylin would be able to do that? It takes such gvura. Again, these parents who are doing this, they're not shmatas. They're malachim, they're gibayrim. I see amazing, really, from Erlich, Litvish, Yeshivish, Hasidish parents twist themselves into a pretzel in order to achieve this goal successfully. That their child should feel, mamish feel, we are the same, even though they are so far apart. It takes such great inner strength to temporarily force themselves to push out their natural disgust and negative feelings towards the sinner and their activities and to fill their own hearts and minds with tremendous ava, tremendous love and acceptance. And yeah, I like movies. Show me what you're watching. You have to know V and Ven. I'm not passing right now. I'm just saying you the, the point, right? To show commonality. We are one. We have the same attitude towards life. In order to bond themselves to them, in order to ultimately influence the mind of the child for the greater good, to save their child's life, this is the supernatural healing power of acceptance. It says, <coughs> of acceptance. The Torah tells us, the Torah says that when the spies, the Miraglim, returned from checking out Eretz Yisrael, they said, we felt so small, like tiny grasshoppers, and this is how they viewed us. Many Sfarim bring out from this Pasuk, that when you have a low self-image and you feel to yourself like you are a grasshopper, you're a nobody, and that's the way other people will look at you as well. But it says in Derech Sicha from Reb Chaim Kanievsky Shlita, Meridik, Eich higia Rebekiva lezeh, that the opposite is also true. Just like when you look at yourself like you're a nobody, other people look at you like a nobody, so too, it's so powerful. When you look at somebody like a somebody, if you look at somebody else who is a nobody, but you look at him like a somebody, you can create him that he should be a somebody. Rebekiva was a nobody for 40 years of his life. What changed? One girl 
who said, I believe in you. I'm willing to lose everything in the world for you. She did. I'll never give up on you no matter what they tell me. And by saying this to this nobody, he became not just a somebody, he became Rebbe Kiva. And he never would have been Rebbe Kiva. He saved the Torah with all his Talmidim. Never would have been if not for one person saying, I don't care what they tell me. That you're lost. It's too late for you. I don't care. They say, throw you out of my house. I don't care what they tell. I am not going to turn my back on you. I believe in you and I'm willing to put my name. I'm willing to sign a personal guarantee. I'm willing to put my life on the line for you. That's how you make a shepherd who wants to, 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 to bite Talmud Chachamim into Rabbi Kiva Ramashal Klal Yisrael. The pelotic power of acceptance that we have inside of us. But you need to be strong and committed. This is what we need to be teaching the parents, the families, and Klal Yisrael. Show these kids, I believe in you. Even though you don't believe in yourself. And I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to abandon you. And I'll lose everything for you. Because I believe in you. That's how you create success. The Gemara says, Ikli Rebbe la'asei dir b'lazi shimen. The grandson of the great holy Tanner Reb Shimon Bayechai was completely off the derech, to say the least. And Reb Yehuda Nasi, who's known as Rebbe, wanted to bring him back into the fold of Yiddishkeit. Nu, what did he do? What's his special Kirov trick? You can imagine he probably told him, Do you know who your father was? Do you know who your grandfather was? What they gave up for Hashem? What's the matter with you? They're looking down at you and they're hating. No, 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 no. You know how many parents told me that that's when the kids are rebelling, Nebuch, the parents don't know what to do. And they say, remember who you're named after. You're named after Zaydi. He was a big tzaddik. Self-gunished. He told him, he saw the Shaigitz who was paying four times the price for a Zayna. He said, from now on, they're going to call you Rebbe. Everyone has to call him Rebbe. The first thing Rebbe did for him, he gave him automatically smicha. He gave him the title Rebbe, so he should have pride in himself and realize his potential, realize that he can be successful at living a Torah life. These kids told me, like a parent told me, Mamash today, said, my daughter said, this. I met this Kirov rabbi, he was trying to save me. It's too late for me. Nobody could save me. But when the Gadol Adar says, Rebbe, that means that, what, what, you really think I could be a Rebbe? It's not, it's not over? So no longer was he known as Rebel. Now he was known as Rebbe. But what title do many people give these kids? Dropouts, rebels, Oisvarf, losers, Meshuguim, lowlifes, delinquents, villains, criminals, druggies, no goodniks, thugs. How many of us actually try to go over to one of them and give them automatic smicha, give them a diploma, and award him the title of Rebbe? Tell him, this is who you really are. I see it. And you're going to see it too one day. It's going to become a reality. That's the message that we have to give these kids to keep them connected and to build their self-esteem that you're wanted. Not kindergarten, not gairos and do. Not get out of here. How could you be like this? We got to clean up the city. Well, none of that. Says the Nesiv Shalom, Mekor Harahu Bezeshem Mechapes Sipuk, V'Tanugim, She'en Lo Behatem Mechapes Be'Isa. 
What's the the source of of, of the? Uh, your parents always tell me, and people say what he did wrong. I want to. What's the source? It says in the Sefer Shalom, the source is that he got disconnected from the sepok of kedusha, and therefore he's looking for satisfaction and pleasure, and he can't get it for some reason, for whatever reason, from kedusha. So he's looking for iser. And the chayv that is mutal on the parent and the mechanchim is to give him the chamimus, give him that varmkeit, it's so smart. There's an infection inside the body. And meanwhile, he has fever and he threw up. So you go to the doctor and you say, oh, he has fever and he threw up. The doctor is not going to deal with fever and throw up. The doctor is going to heal the infection in the body. The problem is that he doesn't have chavivus for himself inside, and therefore he doesn't have sipuk and tanugim. Give him sipuk and tanugim. Look at him with barmkite. Heal the corruption inside of him. And then he'll start to get healthier, and then he'll want to go to Davin and learn just like you. And says the Nesiva Shalom, that just like with physical illnesses, sometimes the remedy for swelling and various pain might be with warm compress and various heat therapy. Sometimes when the damage is more severe, we even use infrared heat rays. <coughs> so too, so too, with regard to a damaged spirit, there are many forms of emotional damage and moral corruption, that there is no other way to heal except by shining laser beams of your spirit, shooting into his damaged spirits. How many parents are being instructed to do this? And how do you do it? So imagine you have a car with a healthy battery and you want to boost another car that has a dying battery. No, how do you do it? You connect it. You open the hoods and then you connect the healthy battery to the unhealthy battery with a wire. This is what we need. We need your healthy nefesh to boost his broken nefesh, and revive it. But how? How do you connect your healthy energy, your healthy inside, your soul, to your child's, to this child's unhealthy broken soul? So the Holy Svarim say, Svarim HaKadoshim say, that the eyes are the gateway to the soul. And therefore, we have to heal them with laser beams of your love from inside your soul, that comes out of your eyes, and you can go look into his eyes, and therefore, you can reach into his soul. Parents come to me with a long laundry list of how horrible their child is acting out, and they're at wit's end over trying to figure out how on earth can they take control over the child and force him to stop acting out. And yet the Nesiva Shalom clearly points out that the cure for his moral corruption is feeling affection from the parents. And from you, from tzaddik, from community members, from anybody. You have to get so close to them that they're not shying away. It takes a long time to get there, to destroy the walls that are between you. So you can look in his eyes and say, I love you, I like you, you're good, you're amazing, I enjoy being around you. To get your soul beaming out of your eyes, to go into his eyes and into his soul. That's how you, that, those are your jumper cables, that's how you boost the soul. But if he's not going to look at you and he's looking down and he feels embarrassed by you and you're giving him musr, it's never going to happen. 
You're not even dealing with the corruption, the source of the corruption. You're dealing with what, what you notice, the symptoms that are the furthest chitzainis. That's what you're dealing with. Oh, he came in shorts. Oh, she's not sneers. That's the most chitzainistic a problem. You have to get to the pnimis. Says the stiplers at Sal. And Shia Shim Shlema Melech says, Ki ahava, love is as strong as death. Dr. Stipler, just as you can't stop death when it comes along, nothing and no one could stand in its way. <coughs> so too is the power of love. When you love someone, it is irresistible. No one and nothing can stand in its way. There were over 85 suicides and overdoses in our community of from families, from kids who grew up from since from Rosh Hashanah last year to Rosh Hashanah. And hundreds more attempts. And thousands more kids who would love to attempt. The psych wards today are full of Yiddish HaKendalach. How do we stop this insanity? What power can compete with death and with wanting to die? Now we could say a new pshat. Ki love is as strong as death. When a child wants to die, nothing can save him. Death is too powerful. Nothing can stop it. No one can stop it. No words can stop it. No logic can stop it. The only thing that can stop deaths and suicides and overdoses and pain is love because only love is as strong as death. If you're going to go to battle and somebody has a, a long knife, you have to have a long knife. The, the, the battling has, the weapon of choice has to be as strong as the weapon that, that you're fighting. And the only thing is ahava. The only thing that you're going to battle the corruption of these kids who want to die is going to be with tremendous ava. And that's the secret of TP. Parents must completely destroy the rebellion with your extreme love, support, and extreme acceptance. Chazanish Paskin Lahalacha. There was a story of a boy that he went off the derech and he was Michal Shabbos Bifar Hesia. It's brought down in Sefer Maisa Ish. And then he came to his parents and he had a bakasha. He said, please, I want you to buy me a car. The father said, I agree to buy you a car on condition that you promise never to drive the car on Shabbos. The son refused to make this promise and then the tension between the father and the son rose sharply. Chazanish said, Kedai for you to give him the car, even though, even though you know he's going to drive on Shabbos, without any conditions, even though you know he's going to be taking your gift and using it to be Mechal Shabbos Befehesia, it's Kedai, because Dafka in this derech, to gadel hashpa'asa yolov, you'll grow your hashpa, your influence on the kid. And most people would say, what do I need to be influential on the kid? He's already a Mechal Shabbos. What influence? If I can't use my influence to stop him from Mechil Shabbos, what influence? The Territ says, that's just today. There's a much bigger war over his soul. You want him to come back in a year, two, ten, twenty? You need to have a greater hashpa on him. And not only are you, are you, not only did you, and not only did you weaken your hashpa on him, and not only did you not have a good Ashpa on him, but by arguing and fighting with him, you created less of Ashpa. He's refusing. <clears throat> Just like that. And this is Das Taira. Chazanish. So many people say, how could you do it? You have to know, you have to know the Taira. 
The following story clearly shows us that the true Torah attitude toward accepting a child, even if he sinks so low that he openly... The following true story clearly shows us what the true Torah attitude is toward accepting a child, even if he sinks so low that he openly breaks Shabbos. This is a story related by Rav Shimshim Pinkus. A Yiddish boy from a Yiddish home, he began to deteriorate, but amazingly, after a period of time, he returned home to his family. So I asked the father, says Rabshim Shimpinkis, I asked this father, what did you do? What's your secret? How did you, how did you get this kid to turn around? And the father told me that after my son left home, I called him and I told him the following. Now think about it. What would you say? This is what the father said. You should know that I love you. And even if you, God forbid, violate Shabbos, you will always remain my beloved son. This is what Shem Shempinkas is repeating. I only have one request to ask of you. What do you think it was? I asked people and they say, probably told him, listen, just please fast Yom Kippur. Just please put on tefillin once a week. Please, I know you're not keeping Shabbos, but please light Hanukkah Lecht. Please light Shabbos candles. Please light Hanukkah Lecht. Listen to what the Father said. If you ever need any financial assistance, don't hesitate to contact me. No matter what situation you're in, no matter what you look like, no matter what matzav you're in. Whenever you want, you can move back home whenever you want. Because we consider you our son in every way, the way you are now. You're our child, you're our son. The father then said emotionally, these are the words that saved my son. Even if you're Michal Shabbos, you're my child, you're always going to remain my child. If you need any money, please don't hesitate, don't be embarrassed, come to me for money. Most people would say, oh, you're going to come to me for money, you embarrassed the whole family, and, and you couldn't listen to it, and you, you walked out of here, and then you did all of this, now you want me money also? Hey, he's using me, he's abusing me, going to give him a finger, he's going to take a hand. It's not the Derech Hatayra. Derech Hatayra from Shim Shim Pinkis is, I love you even if you're Michal Shabbos. You're always going to be my child. And I just want one thing, that you should be happy. And if you ever need anything, you never need any money, I am your father. Reconnect the respirator. You have to be the giver. You have to be the provider. If the father's not a provider, it's famacht, it's disconnected, it's closed up. And you lose the child forever. The parent has to be a provider. I want to provide for you whatever you need. That's what brought the kid to come back. Says Reb Shmuel Bernbaum, Mishashiva of Mir Zatzal. In Kisrei Shal Regarding teenagers who leave the yeshivas and become totally not from, we must treat them with love and kindness, for who knows which form of acceptance will one day cause them to return. Closing Merger Rebbe Zatzal said, 
says in the Torah of Ahoya, Ki yoimru aleichem b'neichem mo havoid azais lachem. The Torah says that there's a child that asked this question, mo havoid azais lachem, and the Haggadah tells us which child was it? The Russia. So frek the Klozenberg Rebbe, if it's a Russia that's asking this question, why does it start saying Vahoya? We know Chazal tell us, Ein Vahoya l'lashen simcha. So why in the world would you be happy to have a child who's asking me this question? When speaking of the Ben Rasha, the Torah specifically uses the term Vahoya, which is a phrase noting happiness to teach us that even if parents have a Rasha of a son, the very fact that he's still speaking to you is a reason to be happy. He's still talking to you. You still have a dialogue. You still have a kasher. Says the Rebbe, therefore parents must do whatever they can, whatever they can, to keep the lines of communication open with their children, no matter the path they've taken. Says Marin Hagoyin Rebgershon Edelstein Shlita, the Sheshiva of Ponovish. If you want the child to be matzliach, you have to give him a good feeling in the house. And even if he read he's going off the derech, he went letar b'surah, your relationship with him should be b'yedidus, friendship, uvekavoid, respect. Wow. Kid walks in without a yarmulke and with jeans and with, with who knows, natsnias and with the iPods and the, the whole, the whole thing. Kavoid. Respect. Ulupa'amim. He says, sometimes it's hard for the parents. Oh yeah, it's always hard. I guess he means sometimes it's like really impossibly hard. Parents need to know It's the only medicine. And if you're going to make it hard for him, you're just going to cause him to go ahead and be worse. And therefore, you're going to be over a lav of lifne iver. And lochen haderechi lekarav oisoy uvameshech hazman yeshtikva shischazek v'yachse b'tshuva. That's what the Begershon Edelson says. Doesn't say anywhere in here that there should be rules and consequences and boundaries and you have to this and you can't this and you're in this room and that room and then you, you have to dress up. About 15 years ago, I met, I went to a, I went to a place that had nabuch for boys and girls who were off the derech. And they asked me to drive home a girl. Derek Klal, I never work with any girls and I never would give a ride to a girl. She was totally drugged up and she, she mamish needed a ride. It was freezing cold. It was raining and I was going right near my house. She was going mamish near my house. So I told her to go to the back seat and she was maybe, maybe 14, 15 years old, a little girl. She said, I can't wait to move out of my house. I said, why? She goes, you know, this is who I am. Nabuch, what she looked like. Geferlich, drugged. And she looked terrible. And they make me keep a bag in the backyard. And in the bag is my skirt and my, my Besyakov uniform. And I can't walk into this house until I put on a Besyakov uniform. And that's what I do. She was never so young, she couldn't really fight that. 
I go home. She goes, I can't wait till I'm not going to have to do that anymore. And I said, please don't move out of your house. You're going to be in a basement somewhere all alone. You're going to be mamish all alone. You can die down there. Nobody's going to cook for you. Nobody's going to care for you. It's worth it. Put it on. And mamish felt so bad for her. She's going to lose everything. Because you make me dress up? That's not who I am. I'm sorry, parents. Have to go ahead and teach. Like Rabbi Gershon Edelson have to say, I'm sorry, parents. It's the only medicine we have. And they do. They really do. Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein writes in Aleinu L'Inyan Shalabonim HaNashrim When it comes to the kids going off the derech L'Oilam Asr L'Hisiyayish Mehem Never give up on them. Kigam Kashahim Noiflim Even when they fall there's a big chance that they'll come back to do tshuva and they'll straighten out. He came to my group and he spoke to my parents that were here and he told them statistics have shown that those parents who have suffered and swallowed and worked on themselves to give the real love and the compassion that these kids need to get, these kids have turned around. Sometimes it takes very long, but they all come back, that's for sure. So it's true that we have a big problem, but the Rebbe said, but we have a winning long-term solution, which we will win. You will win your kid back, and of course everybody said Amen to that bracha from the Rebbe. The Baba the Rebbe said, You want to go ahead and be Mekarev, how do you do it? You give him a shmuz, no. First you have to care about them. Emotional pain, sickness. That's how you become their friend and you, you help them. And then you can talk about Ruchnius. You don't even need to talk about Ruchnius. You'll see it'll come in Mela. Where else would they want to be a part of? If not to be a part of the people who reached out to them and were there for them when they were in so much pain. So we see, we see how to do this. But the question is, how do you convince this person that you really, really care about them? And I found the most amazing Rebbeinu Bechaya, Mama Sharishin, that brings out practical TP, what we need to do. The magic potion. It says in the Torah, we all know, that after Adam and Chava ate from the Eitz Adas, they realized that they don't have any clothing. And it says that they tried to make their own clothing, and of course it didn't look very good, it wasn't very geschmack. And all of a sudden the Torah tells us, And this is really very amazing, because they weren't going to die, Hashem didn't save their lives. And all of a sudden, Hashem says, Oi, oi, look, they're making this clothing. They really don't know how to make clothing. Let me do it for them. And Hashem Eleikim, Midas Hadin and Midas Harachanim, said, we're going to go ahead now and make clothing. But what kind of clothing? Kosnais Oir Vayal Bishem. What does this mean? Zakta Rabbeinu Bechaya. Kosnais Oir Malbushim Meulim V'Nechbadim. Wow, they just destroyed the world. And Hashem is making for them expensive name brand, expensive garments. 
כי הוי כבודם לחלימה, אם יעמדו באוסן חגורוי שעשו להם לחסס בעשר הבובד. אוי ווי, השם's worried about their COVID. They just destroyed the world. They brought Misa to the whole world. And Hashem's, oy vey, oy, you're going to wear that cheap clothing. Oy vey, it's not, it's not geschmack, it's not, it's not a kovedik for you. So the shayla is why? First of all, why help them at all? They created this mess. Isn't that what we tell parents? They tell the kids natural consequences. They have to learn natural consequences. That's when you go ahead and you do da-da-da-da-da. You got a ticket, you have to pay it. Whatever it is, you break your leg, okay. Natural consequences. So why, why, why did Hashem stop this natural consequences? Number two, it wasn't bikuach nefesh. So if they wanted clothing, it was just a want. It wasn't a need. They wouldn't die without it. So why should Hashem accommodate them to reward their bad behavior? Hashem should have showed them. Oh, look what happens when you defy me. Look what happens when you don't listen to me. Now you have wants and I'm not going to be there for you. What is this, a game? I give you the whole world. I ask you for one little favor. You don't do it for me. And I'm supposed to go ahead and give you and give you and give you? No. Let me show you a little bit what it's like. when you. When, this, is, this is a result of your actions. Number three, if Hashem wanted to help them for whatever reason, why not speak to them? used to speak to them and tell them how to make the clothes. Why did he have to make it for them? He could have sent down a little tzettel from Shemaim. By the way, you idiots, don't make clothing from fig leaves. Look at that Shepsula over there. Guess why he has that little furry kind of clothing on him? That's not by mistake. That's for you. And teach you how to make clothing. Number four, if Hashem Lemaisa made clothing and didn't want to tell them to do it, he wanted to do it himself, fine. But why honorable and expensive clothing? Why not throw down jeans and a t-shirt for $10 on sale, cheap garbage clothing? You want to give clothing? Fine. But they just destroyed the world. Why was he worried about their honor and give them expensive clothing? A child gets thrown out of yeshiva, so you go and you buy him expensive, expensive stuff. Why? You worried about his covet? And number five, what's Vayal Bishem? And Hashem dressed them. He could have just left it for them on the ground, and they'll figure out how to put on a shirt. There's one big hole for the head, and two for the arms. How many times can they try it? Eventually, they're going to get it right. So what's Vayal Bishem? Like when you go into the clothing store, an expensive place, and they say, come here, and they, they put your arm in, and they wrap it around you, and they button it for you. Very good service. Why was this important, Vayal Bishem? It's a peladic words of the, of the Rebbeinu Bechaya that opens up a world to us to understand what a parent is. The Ebishter wanted not just to give them the clothing, to connect it, not just you know in the back of your mind that yes, thank you mommy, you, you made me, me supper and you left it on the table. Thank you Tati, you bought me a Bekesha and you left it in my room. No, when you put it on, it's even more. And Hashem wanted to connect the relationship between what they're doing and the fact that it was coming from Hashem, that you should have a lesson here, to show the love and mercy that he has on his creations. That even though you sinned, I didn't budge. I didn't budge from loving you and caring from you. Not just when you were getting hundreds and when you were looking like I wanted you to and dressed like I wanted you to. That's not a father. We are creating these children. This is how you walk in the derech of Hashem. 
Look how he took care of those that he created to show that because I created you, I can't abandon you. I will be there for you no matter what. I'm sorry for you that you're going through a hard time. I'm sorry for you that you failed. I'm sorry for you that you couldn't be Ayman bin Asayin. I'm sorry for you that you fell so low. But my love and care for you doesn't budge. And the way to prove that this is true, the way to prove your love is by following what Hashem did. And He supplied what they needed only because of their sin. The only reason they needed clothing is because they sinned. And Hashem supplied the clothing. Even though this is the only thing that you need because you sinned and you defied me, right? I am going to supply it to you. I'm going to supply you your all-time new low that you reach. When you get to that low plate, I'm supply. Why? Because when you supply their new low needs, they are forced to feel that you truly love them and accept them the way they are right now. Hashem gave them honorable, expensive clothing because they messed up. Hashem rewarded bad behavior, so to speak. Why? Because He had something much more important to take care of right now. The most important aspect of Chinuch is that the child must really believe that you care about him. And how do you accomplish that? By looking at what he needs now after his nefila, and by supplying his current low needs, then he believes that you really accept him. Well, let's understand, none of us are Rib Shimon Bayechai. If Hashem is only going to supply and give us, and love us, and take care for us, and take care of us when we're on the level of Shimon Ba'echai, then today we would have nothing. Every time we go lower and lower and lower, Hashem still supplies us and gives us what we need. We're asking Hashem today for things that Shimon Ba'echai never needed. He was, especially when he was in the cave, he didn't, any, he didn't get anything. He didn't need anything. We're asking for needs today in our tefillas that Ramesha Feinstein didn't need. And yet we're still able to go to Hashem and say, I'm on a much lower level and I need this. Please help me with this. And Hashem says yes, because now that you're on this level, I need to be your supplier. The same way I need to supply the Vashemtiv the, the with what he needed, I need to supply little, little you. Because that's my relationship with you, because I created you. And I'm a parent. And that's what it means when you create something, that I'm going to provide you with what you need on any level that you ever will be on. Now let's understand, the Ebesh just spoke to them. Why couldn't it say, I'm telling you, And the Teretz is because they wouldn't believe him. Because the child who grows up in your house, 13, 14, 15, 16, 20 years, he knows what you want. He knows you wanted me to look that way like my brothers and sisters and you invested in me and you dreamed that I'll be like that and Ataka was supposed to be like that and I could have been like that but for whatever reason now I'm in a very, very low place. And if you tell him, oh, I accept you, I really do, I love you, eh, come on. He can't understand that because a child doesn't have this feeling towards parents that parents have for the child. This unconditional love, this feeling that even though you let me down, I'm going to supply you, was only from parent to child, from Hashem to His creations, from, from things that you are to what you create. And the child doesn't have it in reverse. We know that the love of a child to parents is not the same as a parent to a child. 
like the Gemara says, that you, you can't kill him, whatever, not for now. We all know. So the love the child has for his parents is much more conditional. And he really can't believe when you tell him, I really love you and accept you, he, he can't fathom that it's true. I let you down, I changed, I'm not what you wanted. Can't be, can't be. But when you buy that zach for him, he's forced, and I've done this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, and it works. The smile of the child, when he gets that 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 thing that, that you're giving him, that we would never ever give to any other child, that the parents never, that they mamish don't hold of, and he falls to that all-time low, and you supply it for him, it mamish works. They believe, they're forced to believe, because they think to themselves, it can't be, he doesn't really accept me. Right, but but I have no choice. But how could he not? How could it not be real? He bought it for me. And otherwise, if you don't do this, you end up in family therapy for five years, and the kid still doesn't believe. And every week they come back and they talk about it, and the parents say, "No, I really do accept you." But of course, I'm not going to supply you, and of course, I can't give you this, and of course, you're not going to do it in the house, and of course, you did, and of course, of course, the kid does not believe anywhere near the level that we achieve by following what the Torah tells us. And not only. Is it that Hashem didn't tell them, but He supplied it? But who supplied it? Kavayochel, the Midas Hadin and the Midas Harachamim. The Midas Hadin that punished also realized, yeah, but now that they're low, they need to know that we, we, the Midas Hadin, that Hashem loves them no matter what. So even Vayas Hashem Elikim, even the Elikim part of Hashem, even the Elikim, the Midas Hadin went ahead and said, yeah, yeah, now that they're low, they need to know, let's go make the clothing. Because if a child, even if, if he's punished, let's say the Midas Hadin is, is necessary, but if he doesn't know that the that's not Midas Hadin, that's murder. That's kares. Adam and Chava would have gone forever and they would have told their children, yeah, we once were in Gan Eden, we were once the good kids in the class, we were once from in Yeshiva, Erlach, and boy, did we have a great relationship with Hashem. The whole world was working for us. Grass, grew, apples just grew in front of us. The whole Bria, wow, and then we messed up and we came down now to earth and Hashem doesn't care about us anymore. And they would have lived the rest of their life like that and they would have passed it on to Aladiris for the rest of time. That we blew it because Hashem only loves the kid when he's doing well. And this was reversed. And even the Midas Hadin said, yes, the kid needs to know. And how do you prove that? Buy him what he needs, even though he only needs it as a direct result of his sin. It's such a low thing from their madrega to need clothing. It's mamish charbin, charbin oilam that they needed to have clothing. And Hashem still went down low, 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 and supplied them with what they needed. Yitzchak was going to give Alebrachis, the whole inheritance, to Esav. In fact, when Yaakov stole it, and then Esav came in, he started screaming out, You don't have one bracha for me? So the Archaim HaKadosh Bavarns, where did we ever hear of such a thing? Did you ever hear of a wealthy person that has two children and gives all of the inheritance to one kid? Who ever heard of such a thing? How do you give all of your brachas, all of your inheritance, all of your money to one kid? It doesn't make any sense. That's what the Erech HaKadosh brings out. And listen to what he answers. V'tam Yitzchak Rasha. You know why he wanted to give it to him? Ki chashav ha-brachos... 
he thought Yitzchak came up with a chap. Yitzchak thought to himself, oh my gosh, Yaakov Avinu, Ishtam Yoshev Halim, he's fine. And he's going to build Klal Yisrael. And Aladay, he's fine. He's on the derech. But what's going to be with Yitzchak? I tried my whole life to be Mekarifim. And now I'm going to die and I still, it still didn't work. Who's going to turn around Yitzchak? If he would have turned around, successfully turned around Yitzchak, you know what we would have accomplished? Klal Yisrael will be twice as big. Twice as large. Mamash would have been two, two full nations. Yaakov and all the Darius and, and, and Esav. And you know how much Jewish blood wouldn't have been spilled? There would be no Amalek. There would be no Eliphaz. There would be no, no, the whole thing, all the Darius, all the murders, all everything. Klal would have been not just twice as big. If you take away all the Redifus and all the murders that came out of the children of Esav, you're talking about 10 times, 20 times, 100 times as big. So Yitzchak's mamash thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Came up with one idea. One. You know what? If he knows that I love him, and he sees mamash, that even though he's such a low life, that I mamash am crazy about him, maybe he's going to do tshuva. Ki choshav shebem tzois habrochos, yishapich lemidas hatoiv, v'yeitav drachov, ki etzadik imichavu basois b'neim resha. And that's why he did this. Maybe this nuclear amount of love it might have worked. It might have worked. We'll never know. Yaakov stole the brachas. Out of all the ideas that Yitzchak Avinu had, he came up with one, one zach, one last idea. Give him money. Give him what he needs. And then he's going to see my love and it's going to work. Okay, no. So how much money do you give? So let's understand. A father has two children. One child is healthy. And the other child has cancer. And they tell him, with money we can go across the world. We could try to save your child. So he says, of course. Okay, Tati, how much money are you willing to spend to save this child? What, what do you mean? How much money? All my money. Nobody's going to go cheap and say, oh, I have a healthy kid i got to give money to. The healthy kid is going to make it on his own. The sick kid, he's going to die. Over here, Yitzchak had a son, Esau, who was going to die. So how much money are you going to give if this is the medicine? If this is the only medicine you came up with, which is to spoil him and give him money, which is what the brachas was. Gashmius, right? If that's the bracha, if, if it is the bracha, so how much chemo do you want to give to the child? What do you mean? Everything. Everything I have. That's why he gave Esav Allah, Allah, brachas. Maybe it's going to work. And he risked everything on a small gamble. He took his whole inheritance. Sorry, Yaakov. Sorry, the Shifteka. You're not getting anything from Grandpa, from, from Zaydi, from Zaydi Yitzchak. Not happy. Sorry. Sorry. Go out and work. Because all the money in the family is going to save this child, who's even worse than physically sick, which we would for sure spend all our money, because he's terminally ill. He's going to lose for infinite dollars, for eternity. So Avada, a parent, is going to spend all his money to save that child. Doesn't it make sense now? And that's what parents have to do. Spoil the sick child. Because maybe is hapech lemides ha'toy v'yetu drachov be'emtsoy sabrachos. 
Because connection is the only medicine. It's the only medicine. Hatrufa, hayechida. And all of the advice, any drop of advice that causes separation, which we hear people giving this advice, whether it's experts or therapists, professionals, or even Rabbanim. Just today I got a call. A, a therapist called me up. What do we do? We have a girl. She's not even so bad. She's still in school. She's in the beginning stages. And the Rebbe, who's really one of the biggest Rebbes in Klal Yisrael, I'm shocked. Rebbe said, Medaf Varfin. This is Mamish Kares. This is Paskening Misa. She's a 15-year-old girl who's still in school, who's acting a shtickle modern. And if they throw her out of the house, it's guaranteed, guaranteed, Chil Shabbos, eating on Yom Kippur, drug addict, Zaina, for sure. And every bit of that, I mean, we're taking a hundred fever and we're making it a hundred and five. Be And in the name of Torah, in the name of Hashem. The therapist who's working with the kids says she's not even rebellious. She's not hurting the other kids. She's not, she's not doing anything. She's going through a hard time and she's struggling in Yiddishkeit. That's the derech ha A kid goes to his parents and says, I want to be young Israel. And they're, they're very from and it really bothers them. I want to eat chal of stam. It's terrible. But you get kares for that? Especially when we know that that's not really the case. They didn't really, at 15 years old, she didn't research all the different ways of Taira and say, I want to be modern. She's struggling. Something's bothering her. Ruba de ruba, it's terrible, terrible trauma that they go through. And this is the beginning of it. And if it is, if this is the result of a terrible, terrible trauma, and they're doing kares, that's mamish, they're mamish mechui of misa, they're murdering a sick person. And now that they don't know, it's just a suffix. But let's say it's not trauma. Let's say she's dumb. She's, she's struggling. She's troubled. She, she doesn't like wearing the skirt all the way down. She needs it. So how, how in three years from now are you going to have nachas from her? By kiruv, by loving her. Doing what they're doing? You know, it's like, the, I want the skirt to be four inches under the knee. Because it's one inch under the knee, I'm going to throw you out of the house so it's going to be 72 inches above the knee. How is this called a tipul? If it makes the sickness worse, it makes the child worse. You lose the child forever. Forever and ever and ever. And this is what people are doing and suggesting to parents. It's a holocaust, but instead of Nazis, it's, it's Rabbonim. It's, it's in the name of Taira. Children being ripped away from Kal Yisrael. I, listen, there are times things are so out of control, so you would think, okay, we have no choice. In those cases also, Baruch Hashem, that's my greatest, my greatest tatzlach is I know how to de-escalate it. But I could understand someone says, when a kid takes out a knife to the parents and they don't know how to de-escalate the situation. But a harmless little girl, a harmless boy, who gets an iPod and wants an iPhone and who likes listening to Gaisha music, I got a call from a family who called me up the following story. We called up Shmuel Kamenetsky in Philadelphia, and we told him, we have eight children, our oldest kid is 15 and a half years old, we want a psak to throw him out of the house. And they told me, we started, he started giving me advice and asking me, we said, we don't, we don't want advice. We want a psak or we let to throw him out. And he said, call Avi Fishoff. <laughs> There's Shashiva Shlita, he's so smart. He didn't want to dirty his hands with these retarded people. I said to them, okay, you want to throw out, you want to lose a shavit in Klai Yisrael, what are his crimes against humanity? What did he do? He's eating treif. He brought a girl in. What did he do? He has a chup. He wears tight pants, tight clothing. He likes that style, which a lot of from people do, but not us. We're super yeshivish people. 
and he listens to Gaishi music. That's a reason to do kares. That's a reason to throw him out on the street, which is Vadechil Shabbos. We're talking about they wanted to throw him into the street. Throw him out of the house. No backup plan. Not send him to Zaidi or to an Antonov, which is also bad. No, the gas. So you know he's going to be a drug addict, a drug dealer to survive. He's not a street kid. These kids can't survive on the street. They're not street. They don't have that. He's just, I told him, you know, that if every single person in Klal Yisrael who 40 years ago had tight pants, listened to Gaisha music and had a chup, if all, every single one of those people were thrown out of Klal Yisrael, we would hardly have anybody left. I said, I don't know about you, but every, everybody that I went to Camp Monk, and that's what we all did. And I know many Rabbanim today, and many Chashiva people who have Dairi Dairis, who went even to the movies, and did all kinds of things in the 70s and the 80s. You want to give up on, on having his children to be Erlich Frum Koyalingalite? Because that's usually what happens. Look what happened 30 years ago. My whole family and everybody I grew up with, they all went to the right. All their children are learning, long-term learning. I'm talking about come out every single one of them, learning in Kyle forever. You wanted to shoot people? That's your religion? To shoot people because they can't see shtel to the level that you're on and they're still keeping Shabbos and Kashos and everything and you're going to cause them to be Mechali Shabbos? How could you do such a thing? I told them, please send them to me. They said, oh, you're going to speak to him? I said, no, 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 no. Send him to me. I want to buy him from you. I'm going to send you $10,000, but he's my kid, okay? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, you're not ready to be parents of this child. I'll take him, but on one condition. I know I'm going to have nachas from him. It's not even a question. You can never take him back. This is forever. When he's from and he's sitting in the car, it's my schusim. I'm changing his name. And... I'm doing it on one other condition. You send me your other seven kids because you have no idea what it means to be a parent. You know, kill and do curries on a child because he has a chup and, and he's listening to Gaishi music and that's kind of curries. Look at the Chazanish. Listen to the stories. He didn't want to throw guys out of Yeshiva who were Mechali Shabbos because he says you don't get curries. You, you, you can't lose them. So many stories. The guy was stealing. I mean, it's not the place. But but this is not, they feel like, oh, but all the kids are going to follow. I said, Really? Well, I said, first of all, I think it's better to have eight kids with chups and tight pants listening to Gaisha music than to have seven yeshivish and one who's, who's a guy gomer. Who says you have a right to do that? Second of all, this is a vadai, and that's a suffolk. And third of all, no, they're not going to follow. They're not going to follow. What kind of a tire do you have that you think that if you allow your kids to get a chup, they're all going to do it? It means none of them want to be like you. I had a story from a very chesidish satmer family. And the father told me, after a long time, he said, I'm willing to hug my son, even though he shaves, but not in front of my other kids. I have nine other boys. I can't do it in front of them. I said, why not? He said, because if I show them that I'm going to hug you, even if you shave, they're all going to shave. I told him, really? None of your kids want to be like you? None of your kids really believe in what you're doing? By your leviah, they're going to pass around shavers and everybody's going to shave because Tati's not around anymore? None of them really want to be satmer? What does it matter with your chinuch? We can't trust ourselves at all that if there's a choice, they're all going to go off the derech? Avada, we try to protect our kids. Avada, we wish maybe that they shouldn't have the Nisayan. But now you're talking about a kid who's in a matzav of life and death and you can't save his life because you think all the other kids are going to say, ooh, <laughs> Tati lets us shave and he hugs us. Ooh, now I'm going to go shave. No more pious, no more religion. That's the matzah that we have today. That if children have a choice, we have so much faith in them that we really think every single one of them would rather be a guy or rather be not like you. Why don't you build them up and show them 
We are this way because we believe in this way. This is the best way. It's the, the most ehrlich way and it's the happiest life. That's how I raised my kids. And I told my kids, I wear a hat. I wear a bekasha. And if you don't want to and you feel that you're going to be happier that way, don't. That's not Tairis Moshe Misinai. You have to be ehrlich and frum. You have to enjoy and be in your skin. But you know what? When kids grow up in an atmosphere that they're happy and successful, they want to be like that atmosphere. They want to be like it. And if they're tr- troubled and struggling, you have to make up for their pain by spoiling them and giving them happiness and love. So they still want to be like you. And if you don't, and they're struggling, you lose them. That's what the Arachai HaMekadosh was saying. Ki choshav it's the only Eitza, the only Eitza, that's the last resort. The Efshe Shehoyamoyal will never know because Yaakov stole the brachas. This is Avi Fischoff from Twisted Parenting. To be added to my broadcast, please send a WhatsApp request to 718-902-6666.